Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, an intentionally offensive wrestling podcast. I am your host, the second most hated member of the Questionable Endeavor staff, Troy. With me, as always, the big stick himself, Jason. I gotta ask, who, uh, in your opinion, is number one on that list? Josh. Always Uh, Josh. Okay. And with us, a special guest, because we have such extreme things to talk about. It is plus, 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 we really like three threesomes. Yes. If you like threesomes like we do, you'll love this episode because Sal is here. What's up, guys? I would like to just state for the record that anything I say that offends somebody is done intentionally or unintentionally, depending on if it offends you. So if you don't like it, fuck off. Well, let's start with your take on Kobe Bryant. <laughs> No, no, no. Not wrestling related. Coming to a sports podcast coming soon. All right. Well, speaking of forcing yourself onto women, we're going to talk about Extreme Rules. And our first match we're going to talk about (laughs) is the Extreme Rules match itself. As the Raw Women's Championship was online, as Alexa Bliss took on Nia Jax, and Alexa Bliss wound up retaining. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. First off, let me just sit there and say... I'm viscerally angry watching Extreme Rules. Like, this was, this reminded me of the latter days of WCW reviews. Like, this was that level of bad for me for a lot of fucking reasons. And let's start with this match. This was barely a fucking Extreme Rules match, right? There, there was very little. This match had no reason to be an Extreme Rules match other than it was an Extreme Rules pay-per-view and we had to fucking throw an Extreme Rules match on there. Served no purpose being an Extreme Rules match, okay? Second off, we're building a fucking program with Ronda Rousey, but rather than Ronda Rousey being involved, we're just going to throw Nia Jax in there because she was a former champ and, you know, we got this suspension thing with Ronda going. But... This Extreme Rules Women's Championship match, it's going to essentially be a tag team match because Natalia's going to be out there for no fucking reason. Mickey James is going to be out there really for no fucking reason. So we're going to turn this Extreme Rules match basically into a tag team match for the Women's Championships. Ronda's going to get involved because, you know, fans routinely are allowed to jump the fucking barricade and assault the wrestlers with no repercussions or consequences or security getting involved in any way whatsoever. We're going to have Ron- that. They should have got that chick that uh, kept Rob Gronkowski <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're going to have Ronda Rousey beat the ever-loving shit out of Mickey James 
only to have Mickey James pop up three seconds later like she's perfectly fine to hit her next spot in the finish. It was put together fucking horribly. It was lo- illogical. It was it was a waste of time on this pay-per-view. And the booking of the women continues to make me fucking furious. And we'll get to some of that later. But to me, this match was just fucking awful. I have no use for this match. Wow. So a lot of vitriol from you tonight, man. Um, I'm, I'm on the lower end because I didn't enjoy the match. I thought a lot of it was stupid, but I, I kind of understood that this was just a placeholder until SummerSlam. The money match, what they think is the money match, is Alexa versus Ronda at SummerSlam for the women's title. Why you needed to overbook the shit out of it by having Mickey James involved and Natalia and Ronda and all this other shit didn't make sense to me, and I'll give you that, but... I guess my my biggest problem with this match is I didn't give a shit about it. I watched it and literally could kill us the entire time I watched it. Which isn't good, but I didn't hate it. It just was what it was. Well, you know, we here at the Rundown don't care about women, so, you know, that's <laughs> No, you okay. care about them, Troy. You just want to hate fuck them all. That's true. That's true. I definitely, I definitely do. Starting with Nia Jax. Uh, so, so what uh, were your thoughts on the match, though, Troy? Uh, this was the only Extreme Rules match on the card, which, uh, you know, for a gimmick pay per view named after the match, uh, this this felt a lot like that one time that Randy Orton and John Cena were in Hell in a Cell together and didn't once fucking use. The I cell remember that. So this was. It was like. Okay, well, like okay. we had we had a kendo stick at some point in time in this match, and that was about it. I heard you say that last week, though. Technically, steel cage is an extreme rules. A tables match is an extreme rules. Right. There were other matches with extreme stipulations involved in the show. That's like saying, well, was, the whole pay per view was hell in a cell, but there were only one one hell in a cell match. Well, of course, you're not going to have a whole show with the same fucking match concept. No, they always do two. Yeah, but two look at the other women. Well, no, they match. have lately. They didn't always. True. Well, yeah, but I, I just, I just think that it was another one of those. It was another one of those things where it's like, well, we've got got the pay per view named it. We have to have one match. It's yeah. like it's like when we lead into Hell in a Cell and you're just waiting for which feud is going to be like, I'll see you in Hell. Right. You'd be like, oh, roll credits. That, that, and I think, for my money, the only match that had a stipulation that the stipulation was even sort of logical was the Kevin Owens and uh, Braun Strowman match because they had done an angle with Owens constantly running away. So putting that in a steel cage made sense. Everything else was just thrown into shit because we need a fucking stipulation. Well, yeah, because, because the only thing that the New Day insanity had in common with tables was the fact that you know they have both been behind an, an, a table eating pancakes, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And like the, the Iron Man match, it was like, well, that's what you do if like they both keep trading wins back and forth and... That's so yeah. You're right. It didn't. It didn't make any sense. And and yeah, the only one that did make sense was the steel cage match, which we'll get to. Uh, but first, we have to have that piece of shit AJ Styles take on uh, <laughs> on that bitch Rusev for the WWE Championship. And, See now uh, you're now you're now you're so, you're going so far to be to mm-hmm. try to be intentionally offensive that it's almost not working anymore. Right. It doesn't yeah. seem it do, it seems manufactured. It's like watching a WWE product. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. All right. So so <laughs> no, 
All right. Well, known gay basher AJ Styles oh, wound up getting fuck. wound up getting. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me Can't I'm wrong. Can't continue. Oh, there God. you go. All right. So AJ Styles retained his championship, as we all knew what was good, that that was going to happen. I may need uh, to start a weekly review show on NXT at this point. That's <laughs> that, that may be my move uh, from here. Uh, there's there's some guys down there that I've got some some fuel for the fire as well. So don't don't think that that was a squeaky clean roster or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, so AJ Styles and Rusev actually put on one of the better matches on the card. Should have closed the uh, show. Definitely should have. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense why what close the show close the show Mm-mm. because it wasn't for anything apparently, especially if the rumors are true on the outcome of their second match of the feud is going to be. Um, but yeah, so you know AJ and of course continues to be you know him and Seth are the shining star stars on their respective brands. Mm-hmm. And one of them is a champion who can't get any respect, and the other one <clears throat> is facing Dolph Ziggler. So, uh, yeah, I thought I thought that this match was was probably one of the best matches, um, not just in like storyline wise, but just tactical wise too. I mean, you know, they they did enough to make you think Rusev had a chance to win it, even though you're like, well, he's clearly not going to win it. Um, and they kept him strong, but and then they kind of made it so that Aiden English was the the fall guy for it. So. Yeah, no, I thought it was booked well. I thought that, you know, it was one of the ones that actually had a little bit of build going into it. Uh, like you said, it was sort of a foregone conclusion, but given the way everything else played out, um, I'm very surprised they didn't close the show with this once the decision was made not to close with Lashley and Reigns uh, because this is the match that would have at least sent the crowd home happy, uh, and that was definitely missing at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they've been shitting on the... Ten. Nine, eight, seven. Stop it! Six, Stop. It's, five. He, he's being four, the stupid fans in three, attendance that night. Two. We're one. not even to that match. Yet. Yeah, that was that. That was annoying. <laughs> by the way, we're not. We're not. We're not on that match. Well, I know, but it would have been. It wouldn't have. It's totally off non sequitur, like it was during the show. That's what okay. And we'll save it till we get to that exactly. match. Exactly. Well, and, then and it I would make it. sense, and it would defeat the fucking purpose. Yeah, but Sal's trying to talk about that fucking match, and we're not talking about that match right now. And the fact that I did it over him was what made it fucking funny. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Right. Sal. I'm going Styles away for another Rusev. week. Styles, you know, very unceremoniously has been having an amazing WWE title run. Regardless of who they put him against, um, he's been having gr- pretty good matches. I mean, I'm not going to call him great just because it's AJ Styles, but I enjoyed AJ going after... If only after, they were in the Tokyo Dome. I know. I enjoyed AJ going after Rusev's leg and that playing into the story of the match. Um, like you said, we kind of knew AJ was going to retain. I think every one of us would have been shocked if Rusev won the title. But still, it was a good match. It had a lot of up, ups and downs, and, and I was invested in it. And Jason, to your point, I was very surprised this match did not close the night. Um, but I'm not surprised. They've they've shit all over AJ's title reign before, so they're gonna have their Brock Lesnar's and their Roman Reigns. And for some reason, this pay per view decided to have Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler close the night. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to build up the IC title, but AJ versus Rusev should have closed the night. Absolutely. No, no, because what they told us here is that the second most important belt on Raw is more important than the most important belt on SmackDown. Uh, and as I said earlier to you guys when we were discussing it in our host thread, uh, it's been since 2016 that the WWE Championship 
was the main event on a pay-per-view that included both brands. It was a non-brand specific show. That's two fucking years that title has not... The, the title with the lineage, the Hulk Hogan title, the Bruno San Martino title, that belt hasn't been the main event of a pay-per-view in two years and three years if you take away matches including Roman Reigns. Yeah, and that belt hasn't been the main event of a pay-per-view for a good five or six years. And I'm not defending him, but when he was champ, CM Punk was never the main event. He was sub, you know, secondary that's, to Brock that's and Cena. That's incredibly and not else. fucking true. Really? That's, that's Go back and look at Punk's title true. reign. And look- really? His title reign, he didn't fucking main event the pay-per-view with The Rock? At the he didn't end. main event pay-per-views with fucking John Cena? Okay, so he for didn't the main entire event He main event pay-per-views all the fucking time. Really? How, yes. Dude, you know how many times Brock took over that spot? His fucking shit was that he didn't main event WrestleMania. I understand that. was that. it. But I watched every one of those pay-per-views, and guess what? Brock main evented those pay-per-views. Cena main evented those pay-per-views against John Laronitis. Hey, when, uh, when was the Summer of Punk? 2012. Or 11. 2012. 2012 or 11. That's not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) CM Punk headlined SummerSlam 2011, Night of Champions 2011, Hell in a Cell 2011, TLC 2011, Night of Champions 2012, Hell in a Cell 2012, Survivor Series 2012, Royal Rumble 2013. Yeah, never in the main event. He was the WWE champion for the entire year of 2012, and you only named two pay-per-views in 2012 he headlined. Uh, I named three. Okay, three out of 12? That's some fucked up shit. And when you look at the WWE Championship, even when Daniel Bryan held it, it was not main eventing the card. So are we really that surprised that it's not main eventing while it's around the waist to AJ Styles? Daniel Bryan didn't hold that title. He held the World Championship. He held the World WWE World Heavyweight Championship. No, he held the World Heavyweight Championship. The WWE Championship was on a separate brand. You seem to forget the WWE championship, that Randy Orton... The WWE Championship was the brand that CM Punk held the title no, no, no. for. Randy Orton merged those titles in 2013. Way the fuck later. When Daniel Bryan Daniel held Daniel Bryan it. never held the unified title except for five minutes after WrestleMania. Then Kane fucking ended his career and he had to vacate the title. And when he fought he Kane, that wasn't the main event. It was one pay-per-view. Okay, so he, had, he ended his career, but who knows what would have happened after that. So you're fucking criticizing them for something that didn't fucking happen? I'm saying the WWE title's been shit on for a long time, not just since AJ's been the champ. Okay, I don't disagree with you, but let's not turn this into a fucking CM Punk was a victim right? No, 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 no. Because that's where you went with it. I'm not going... I'm not defending Punk. I'm saying that this has been common practice for the WWE to shit on their title with the lineage. Hey, who, uh, who main evented Night of Champions 2011? Punk, See, Punk and Punk. Cena. Was he the champion then? Nope. He went on after John Cena versus El Derberto Del Rio for the championship. So. Who'd he fight? Triple oh. H. <laughs> Shocking. And then he, and then the next pay-per-view, he main evented to win the belt. Mm-hmm. Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And then TLC closed it out with R-Truth and Miz. Blech. Vengeance was main evented by the WWE Championship. Against who? Del Rio and Cena again. Was there not a pay-per-view where John Laronitis and John Cena headlined over Punk? I'm sure there was, because that was the, the more important storyline oh, at the time. Uh, I'm not... Alright, let, let's get back face, to man. present day. Why is AJ not headlining that event? 
It's not a SummerSlam. It's not a WrestleMania. Why is AJ not headlining that event against Rusev? Because apparently he's not a draw. Because Rusev's not a draw. Now, hold on. Let me just say this. In, in, in the defense of WWE, which is not a position I find myself in very often, all of us in our host thread and on this fucking show came on, and I forget what the pay-per-view was, but came on this show and shit all over for WWE for not having Dolph Ziggler and The Miz in their ladder match, title versus career match, main event that pay-per-view, because we all said we knew it was going to be the best match of the show, it was for the IC title, there were stakes attached to it, and it should have been the main event, and we shit on them for not doing it there, mm-hmm. and we're shitting on them for doing it here. The biggest fucking problem, and, and we're, I, we haven't gotten to it yet, but the biggest fucking problem with the, the, the Intercontinental title match headlining the show is that the match wasn't that fucking good. No, it wasn't. And it should have been, but we'll get to that later. Uh, let's, let's keep going down the list. The, the leaders of worlds versus the B team. Don't take my stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, the B team uh, won the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships because fuck Tag Team. I honestly yeah. was surprised by this. I did not see I that. Everybody I That's why I picked the B team yeah. to do it. So I mean, you, you look at it as, you know, Bray Wyatt was in, was, you know, got into a car accident because he was looking at jo- JoJo's ass. And, you know, so the, this whole feud has been about building up the B team. Um, you know, we haven't done anything with the whole, you know, Woken Matt Hardy thing, the whole Woken universe and all that thing. So it, it was just logical that they were going to lose those belts because they're, nobody cares about them right now. Everyone cares about the B team. They're the ones that are getting the cheers and everything like that. So it, it didn't really surprise me. The fact that they won via shenanigans was a way to keep, you know, Bray and Matt Hardy at least somewhat strong. But, I mean, this is this is what we've been kind of building up towards, and hopefully it leads to something. Yeah, all you need to know about the fucking how care they put into the tag team division is who the first fucking tag team champions on SmackDown were. Wow. That was the end of the fucking... If you ever needed a refresher on how much Vince doesn't give a shit about tag teams and thinks that they're a comedy act, uh, there you go. This was just another case of that. I will say this. If this leads, because I think there is a lot of potential to the B team doing something at the Hardy compound, some sort of uh, final deletion type thing. I think there could be great comedy to be had with the Dallas and Axel doing something in that scenario. Short of that, this is a waste of the title in a division where you actually have legitimate teams who are being underutilized. No. And this, but this, this is a title that was won by a, a son of a referee and True. a gigantic man for one night. So, you know, the, the, what 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 worse can they do with the titles? It's a fair point. Now, see, Jason, I agree with you that that having the B team at the Hardy Compound would be gold, but I have no faith in that. Bray and Matt put on a great show at the Hardy Compound. I thought it worked, and they have not revisited that since. They refused to revisit that. That's a good thing. <laughs> Kind of. You don't. You you don't want to over. You don't want to overkill. You don't want them to go. You don't want to overkill it. But I just feel like TNA, and I'm not giving them credit. But when the Hardy, well, I'll give them. I'll give TNA fucking credit because I've said it on this show. TNA booked a lot of these guys much better than the WWE has. But specifically when it comes to Broken Matt, I think they they struck while the iron was hot. While Vince refused to acknowledge that it was a a money making thing, and he still does. Because it wasn't his. Yeah. It wasn't I his know. creation. But how fucking petty is that? To this it's day. Sick. To this day. We're yeah. in 2018. 
I want to talk about how when CM Punk had the fucking tag team titles, he couldn't main event the fucking show either. <laughs> all right, all right. We're we're getting vastly off course here. You you need to remember that you know every every time in TNA that they went to the Hardy Combat and stuff like that, it was a, a logical step. They, True. They built up a storyline to it. They haven't done that at all. If out of the blue they went to the fucking you know Hardy Compound or the Wyatt family compound or whatever like that right now, you'd be like, well, there's no build to it. Right. So you do have to build it back up like that. And them having the tag team belts, it, it doesn't give them a reason to do that. Them chasing the tag team belts is what gives them a chance to turn around and be like, you know, you need to come to us with those belts kind of thing. All right. So I, I, I would see that as a, as a better option than... All of a sudden, it's just being like Axel being like, "Oh, let's just let's go follow him to the Hardy Compound to the B Team Mobile." You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll give you the benefit I, of the doubt, and I hope they do logically take that step. I I legitimately guarantee you that we have spent more time putting thought into this than they have. <laughs> right. Yeah, because again, like we said, fuck take teams. Exactly. All right, moving right along. There's nothing much more to say about that, really. Uh, Carmella put on put the SmackDown Women's Championship online against Asuka with a twat in a shark cage in a match that was focused entirely on James Ellsworth. Again, because hashtag Women's Revolution. Uh, Carmella wound up retaining uh, with the help of, of course, James Ellsworth. So Asuka, for me, is approaching Bailey levels of being ruined on the main roster. Oh, no, she's ruined. Can Nakamura levels? Like, she came up with all this hype undefeated, won the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, lost to Charlotte, and I was okay with her losing to Charlotte. I understood that. But has since now lost twice to Carmella. Now, we're sitting here hyping up women's fucking revolution and all this shit, and we have the the, the pretty girls who can't wrestle at the top of the card holding the titles. I shouldn't say Alexa can't wrestle. She's just not as prolific as some of the other female workers um but we have them at the top of the card meanwhile charlotte she, she's off at she's off at the esps doing red carpet shit and we got the the actual workers in mid-card storylines or doing the fucking pretty girl work because for his part Vince can't. Vince is gonna Vince, and Vince is gonna have angles where you know Tori Wilson's fucking him in his office, and eventually probably Carmella is gonna end up there, and she got her title reign out of it. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you shit all over this whole concept of a women's revolution. The only thing right now that's keeping any interest in this women's division is Ronda fucking Rousey, and that's it. I just want to want to take a second to to remind everyone here that uh, if it wasn't for that that bitch out in Phoenix, we would have had a storyline centered around the women's division, where one women's wrestler was fucking a dude behind another woman's wrestler's back. So, and that would have been uh, the program for the championship at WrestleMania for the championship. So let's let's not pretend that uh, that this isn't status quo for WWE and that things have gotten better in terms of storyline things. Like yes, we've got we've got Ronda Rousey here now, but. Yep, still, still the same old shit. So, um, yeah, good, good thing that uh, you know these women are <laughs> are sweat are are slaving every fucking night to try to get get a, a, a 
whiff of the main event on things. Well, and, and so if what the plan was originally was, hey, we think Carmella's on the come up. We're going to put the briefcase on her, let her run around for a year while she gets better. And then eventually we'll use, because she's good on the mic, and we'll use the fucking, you know, momentum of this this puts on her, and we'll give her some time to... But at a certain point, you have to realize that that in-ring performance just isn't improving at the level you want to. I understand you didn't want both both cases to go without a winner, so you had to have her cash in. You had to have her win it. But it was very easy to go back and change it right back and get back on track and get the title back on a champion. You could have put the title on Asuka, and then you still have that Asuka versus Charlotte match in your pocket. Unfortunately, it looks like we're going to head into SummerSlam with Carmella once again, second biggest event of the year, defending the SmackDown Women's Championship against Becky Lynch, who is a good worker. But because of the lack of use of her for so long, the crowd is largely still indifferent to her, despite the great pop she had at Money in the Bank, which, if you watch uh, SmackDown this week, has already started to fade. I noticed that. It it did start to fade. Um, I'm hoping... By SummerSlam, they can they can get it back. I think if they put in even a minimal amount of time to Becky as a legit challenger, she can get it back. She's that damn good. Um, here's the thing about the match at Extreme Rules is that I would have had less a problem if it was somebody like Naomi facing Carmella. I guess my biggest issue is that you took Asuka, and she was built for two years as this unstoppable force. And now she's very normal, and she's very plain, and she's very generic. Despite her and her personality and her skills, you took everything that was special about her, and you literally ripped it away from her so that she's just another woman on the roster now. And I don't understand that. Like, isn't there money... In Asuka, at, at the top of a card, at the top of her, her game, being a, a kick-ass, you know, badass female, I, I would assume that merch alone, if you made her out to be like a superhero to the, to the little girls out there, like, would be worth the investment. Why would you bury her coming up from NXT? I don't get it. Part of me wonders if the plan, that was the plan coming up and then Ronda Rousey happened. And that's how Ronda's being booked. And you don't want to book those two in the same way. So you can't have them both be the superheroes and the submission machines and all this stuff. And so I, I wonder if that had some impact on it. It wouldn't shock me. That's a valid point. I'll give you that. But, it, yeah, as you mentioned, this whole match was centered around James Ellsworth. I do admit I did kind of chuckle a little bit when he was hanging from the cage and Asuka was just kicking him because it's funny to see Ellsworth get beat up. But I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> but I don't think that should come at the expense of the women's division and the women's title. Yeah. See, I didn't have a problem with the whole Ellsworth shit before when it was for the Money in the Bank briefcase. I have a problem with him being involved with the championship. So, but that's, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. Um. I just think I just think that there's no reason to to include him in this feud, and I think it would have made more sense if he would have turned around and, uh, you know, and turned on Carmella and helped Asuka. You know, at least it would have been something unexpected. True. So, you know, 
but it is what it is. Moving right along to yet another of the we don't care about tag teams, the Bludgeon Brothers got to face off against Team Hell No. Oh, see, I disagree. I disagree. Go ahead. The Bludgeon Brothers <laughs> faced off against Team Hell No, and a very injured Kane, who was injured before this event with an Achilles injury. Uh, Kane has also uh, just disappeared from TV because he needs to go back on the campaign trail. Um, but, you know, at least at, at least the Bludgeon Brothers retained here. We don't have Team Hell No winning the title belts in 2018. Um, and the Bludgeon Brothers got to have a, a pretty good spotlight shined on them uh, on this one. Uh, but it was still a makeshift take team against an actual take team. But go ahead, Jason. Um, well... This is another one that made me fucking really, really fucking angry. Um, I understood the logic of having Kane did the pre-tape before thing where Kane gets his, his injury because, you know, the word sort of got out that he was dealing with something and uh, it was going to prevent him from competing on the card or at least competing at full strength. Um, what I don't understand is you're in the midst of this triumphant return story for Daniel Bryan and he's in a tag team match and his partner is an injured 50 year old mayoral candidate who's not going to be around most of the time so we had to have Daniel Bryan take the fucking pin in this match the guy who went into it not injured the guy who you're going to build a big program around for SummerSlam that guy had to take the fucking pin and it wasn't like Miz came out and cost him that victory, which you could then spin into SummerSlam. It was just they straight up fucking pinned the guy. Well, you say straight up pinned the guy, but he was out there for what? You know, 15 minutes before Kane finally showed up getting, you know, fighting two giants and, and getting the shit kicked out of him for most of Did it. Did he take more punishment there or at WrestleMania? He faced off against two former world champions uh, that were essentially two on one match. True. For the for the championship, yes. so I I I I, and I, I do know, and that was after facing Triple H. I I understand that five years ago, that's something that happened. That's correct. WrestleMania, Sal. I know. Kevin I, I don't agree. I don't they agree took him the Brian. fuck out of that match. I don't agree with Brian taking the pin. If, if it's very easy to have Kane take the pin, I I get the kind of psychology behind it that he had fought the whole match by himself before Kane showed up and then... Kane was in a fucking walking boot. Right. How hard is it to have one of them hit him with a fucking sledgehammer in the walking boot, boom, pinfall, legitimate credibility, nobody takes a hit? It's hard to argue. It's very hard to argue. But! But! We're going to get to this. We're going to we're going <laughs> to But CM Punk did not no, main no, no, event. No. We're going to get to this in the perfect 10, but Daniel Bryan is a guy who it really doesn't matter if he takes that pin. He's still going to be Whoa. No, no, no. I'm going to cut you the fuck off right here okay. because spoiler alert. Two or three episodes ago, we had a whole fucking debate where you went at me when I said the Velveteen Dream was so fucking over, it didn't matter if he lost a match to Ricochet. We're talking about a guy on the come-up who's 23 years old versus the one of the best wrestlers in the world for the past 10 years and Daniel Bryan? Who's, who's coming off the I'm too frail to compete in the fucking ring for two years story. Who lasted okay. almost an hour in the friggin' Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, so he's really injured. 
right? I didn't say it was uh, injured. It's really fragile, so right? An hour plus in Saudi Arabia. The guy doing kicks and punches. Okay, That's what a you're telling me is. that it's on Tuesday he wasn't just as over as he was last Tuesday. Credibility-wise? No, in, in the fans' eyes and merch sales and whatever it, it cost did he, to be over. Did, okay, did he leave that pay-per-view more credible as a world championship contender or less credible as a world championship contender? I don't think he left less. I don't. He's Daniel Bryan. He can... Really? Can he really do any wrong in the fans' eyes? Yes. If he tapped out to Miz, I would agree with you. The fact that he got beat up by two guys like the Bludgeon Brothers for 30 minutes. My point is to say, you went up my ass about the notion of you you can't say it doesn't hurt somebody to lose a match. And now you're coming at me with it doesn't hurt him to lose a match. These are two different competitors. Tommaso Ciampa won the NXT championship. I know. What's that? <laughs> <a> fucking asshole. <laughs> These are two different guys. We're talking about a world-renowned Daniel Bryan versus a guy who's very young and on the come-up. No, no, no. In no, no. Because Velveteen here's Green. the thing, Sal. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not going to let that, that's, that slide three different times. Why are we talking about come and not making jokes about coming on people's backs? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I let it slide the first time when you said Carmella was on the come up. Come up. I let it slide the second time when you said Velveteen Dream was coming on someone's <laughs> back. I'm not going to let it slide the third time. Jason, let me ask you on, on for real. Was it disappointing to see Daniel Bryan take that pin? Of course. Did you really get like viscerally angry at that? Yes. Wow. Clearly. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. Because why the fuck even bring the guy back if this is how we're going to use him? This is another example of a silver fucking platter of a great story you can tell. And instead, this is what we're doing. And I was, if you listen to my last episode I was on, because I wasn't on last week, but if you listen to the one before that, I made the case that I was perfectly fine with this Team Hell No thing as a one-month fucking, you know, roadblock on the way to Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. Which is what we're getting. Exactly. And I was okay with that. Because I was working under the assumption that they would be fucking smart enough to not take the guy who is so over and so popular, and instead you stick him with a guy who is so easy to have take the pinfall. This is true. Made even easier when you put a fucking boot on his foot. That's And true. take him out earlier in the night. And you have two guys with fucking sledgehammers in the other corner. It's the easiest fucking story to tell. And they fucked it up. Eh? I think it's a match everybody will forget about in three weeks. I don't want Daniel Bryan matches to be matches people forget about in three fucking weeks. That's That's my problem. But you can see the forest through through the trees. The end game is Miz at SummerSlam. This was filler. Let me ask you a question. Okay, to your point, let me ask you a question. At the end of the year when we're doing our best of results, are you going to forget about Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet? No. So whose loss hurt them more? One was imminently forgettable. The other will be on everyone's match of the year list. So who took, who, whose match was more damaging to them? Whose loss was more damaging? I rest my case, Your Honor. <laughs> I mean, Velveteen Dream is booked for the next pay-per-view. Yeah. So but, clearly clearly it's not hurting him that much to lose. 
And again, uh, you're Jimmy. talking about you're talking. Well, he's, he's 23 and he's on to come up. And yeah, I'm going to say it too. Um, but <laughs> he's. I, I would I would venture to say on the smaller scale of NXT, he's as over with that crowd as Daniel Bryan is with the larger scale WWE audience. Fair? I mean, I don't think they're doing Velveteen Dream Chance at a Giants game, but I, I get your point. That's not what he said, though. He said on the scale. Yeah. On the scale of if you look at the percentage of the audience that are Daniel Bryan fans and a percentage of the NXT audience that are Velveteen Dream fans. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are, if not close, Velveteen Dreams are higher, percentage-wise. Not total number of guys. Yes, I understand he hasn't transcended to different things like Daniel Bryan has, but that's the difference because Monday Night Raw and WWE SmackDown Live are viewed by millions of people Mm -hmm. And NXT is viewed by 13 guys in their mom's basement. (laughs) It's two different different size of audiences. And if Velveteen Dream came up to the main roster and lost as much as he did on NXT, he wouldn't be over anymore because that audience is a far more fickle audience than the NXT audience is. And Daniel Bryan is a guy who a good portion of the audience are just now seeing as a wrestler. Whoa. Because a bunch of... but No, don't don't even. Because that's what WWE is, is a bunch of young fans. A lot, a lot of their fans right now... I, I shouldn't say a majority, but a good number of their, their young kid children fans might not have even been alive the last time Daniel Bryan wrestled. And now they're... It was, so it was, now it they're was like two here. years ago, dude. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's not like... It's we're not years, talking... It's five years like, ago. Like... But, but, but even so. So so here's the thing, though. We talk <laughs> about... So this is the we, Rock we, coming back after a seven-year... <laughs> I was going to say, look at Rock. It's like a but, year and a half. And it was seven years. And Daniel Bryan okay. has been reminded that, we, that he is the man since... I think it was like GM. 18 or 20 months officially. Like, Yeah. But... but to, to the higher point of striking when the iron is hot, right now, Daniel Bryan is ice cold. Because he, he had a huge a huge pop when he, came, when he announced he was coming back. Exactly. Everyone was like, yes, that's true. this is fucking awesome. He followed it up with a big cast feud. Which was awful. And, and now he's followed it up with a Bludgeon Brothers feud. In a match that he lost. And now everybody gets what they want with him versus Miz at SummerSlam. But is it as hot as it would have been? If he, if they would have, the the bigger issue is Daniel Bryan being booked in this tag team match, instead of Daniel Bryan being booked against another person. No, see, I against, don't have a problem with him being booked in the else. tag match. That, that, again, I think you could have done that well. Again, you had the Miz sort of instigating the Bludgeon Brothers to go at him. If Miz comes out and costs that match and is the reason Daniel Bryan gets mm-hmm. pinned, I'm not sitting here as upset about this as I was. And you know what? I'll agree with you on that. You put Miz involvement in that match, and that changes the dynamic completely. Exactly. It's just it was fucking lazy booking where they, you show no deference or care to cultivating your talent. And part of me wonders if this is a relative to the fact that Daniel Bryan still hasn't signed an extension. I don't know. Ah, now but see, that's an interesting point. It's certainly a factor. Because, he, like, like Troy said, he was red hot when he announced he was coming back to wrestle before Mania. Red hot. And, and you know, then he entered in a few with big casts. And people were kind of like, well, this is boring and stupid. I, for the record, I hated how he was fucking booked at WrestleMania, too. If we go back and, and, and revisit my, my take on that, 
where you had this guy hot as a pistol, everybody was dying to see him, and the first fucking look you have at him back is getting fucking knocked the fuck out 30 seconds into the match. Well, so yes, and, uh, I meant like going into WrestleMania when we knew. No, he no, was no I get what you're back. saying. I'm just saying that the correlation in how they've booked him since he's returned in terms of his actual in ring, they, they haven't booked him like a top guy well, at all. To Not your, even close. To your point, if this has to do because of his contract. You can almost argue that it makes sense that they're not going to make him red hot unless he resigns. Now, I don't agree with that. I think make him red hot so, and right. then sign him, like Troy said I'm last gonna, week. Put right, the hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me do this. Let me do this, Sal. Okay, hold on. Just, I'm, I'm going to say a statement that I don't agree with. Then I'm going to tell you I don't agree with it. What's that? <laughs> just said they'll make him red hot, but I don't agree with that. Anyways, no, Sal. But, Sal, but let's, no, it's let's say for the sake of argument, Sal, you got Megan Fox living in your fucking house, and she's I like, beat her with a stick, and she's like, I'm gonna be living here for two weeks, and I will fuck you every time you ask for in that two weeks. But after two weeks, I'm gone. Are you gonna go? You know what? If I can't fuck you in two weeks in a day, I'm not gonna fuck you at all. <laughs> no, you're gonna take every fucking advantage you can get of that time. I will. You will. Okay. And so will Troy. But would Vince? And, that's, and this is would, my point. But would Vince? This is, mm, would Vince fuck Megan Fox? Probably. If unless he could have her for two weeks in a day, would he? I, who knows? <laughs> that's how. So much that's the kind of guy that. we're dealing with here. A very—he's like a petulant child. Okay, so now you're agreeing with my point that you were just arguing with me on. I'm agreeing with you, in the sense that they're not I'm going the fucking to Twilight Zone, Troy. No. I'm, I, you, you're Let, seeing this too, right? I'm agreeing with you in the sense that because of what you just said, if he didn't sign or if that's part of the reason why they're not cooking him up because he hasn't signed, then it somewhat makes sense. Here's, here's the other thing with this. This whole argument has been on the assumption that WWE doesn't think that, that WWE thinks that they are not cooking him up right now. But they're, they're using him on TV. They, they turned around and brought back Kane because they thought that that was going to be a big pop. WWE is booking him. I mean, to us, it's like, oh, they're trying to cool him off. But in WWE booking-wise, this isn't their idea of them cooling him off. They think they're capitalizing on him. Because they, they wanted to get him to do these different like superstar feuds. Like, we're going to have him reunite with Kane. We're going to have him go against The Miz. We're going to have him go against AJ Styles before his contract runs out. So the him being reunited with Kane was exactly their plan all along. But again, and this was their way of, of building him up. You can't. But but this whole argument has been about us thinking that this is WWE trying to cool him off or something like that. No, this isn't. They're just bad at storytelling. <laughs> no, because I, just... <laughs> I I disagree. Because I can sit there and if you I tell you I've got two months of Daniel Bryan, I'm getting AJ Styles matches. I'm getting fucking Samoa Joe. Kurt Angle matches. I'm getting Joe matches. I'm getting all these fucking uh, Andrade Almas matches, Seth Rollins matches. I'm getting all these fucking bang for my buck matches I can get the second I can get. You know what I'm not fucking doing? Putting I'm not in a tag fucking match. having him work <laughs> big casts. Yeah. I'm not putting him in there with big fucking casts. <laughs> and I'm not fucking I'm not fucking reuniting team hell no to have them lose to the Bludgeon Brothers and have Daniel Bryan take the fucking pin in that match. That's not what I'm doing. If I'm trying to maximize the the short-term investment I have in Daniel Bryan, 
I'm not doing any of what they did. And as much as I disagree with the booking, and as much as I have issues with Vince McMahon from time to time, the guy is not a fucking idiot. So he, we're sitting here looking at this stuff. I guarantee you he sees it. This is petty. This is vindictive. This is until you do what I want you to do. This is how I'm fucking using you, and it's fucking shitty. You know, we forgot about something. We forgot about what we were talking about. That we have a show to do, and we've been talking about a pay-per-view for 43 <laughs> Wait <minutes>. a minute. <laughs> we for- I told you I was pissed off by this show. We forgot how all of us were so concerned when Daniel Bryan was coming back about how is he going to be. Is he going to tone down his ring style? Is he going to... I'm still concerned in every match. You know who didn't forget yeah. about that? You know who didn't forget about both of his title reigns, WWE and IC, being cut short because of injury? Vince. No, no, no. Why would I've Vince put another title no. on him again? Nope, 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 nope. I've heard that fucking argument, and that argument holds no fucking water because nobody needs to talk about a fucking world title program. You can do a match with AJ Styles without putting the fucking belt on Daniel Bryan. They did on you SmackDown st- for 15 minutes. Still- and then they yeah, threw they it out the window. Yeah, they got shit on. They, they booked it shitty. And it was a also, fuck finish with no build. That, that's, that's, that's a hard statement to make when Dolph Ziggler... And up until recently, Jeff Hardy were champions, uh, and both of them have had injury histories as well. So much so that Jeff Hardy's match was three seconds. So they had, didn't have any problem putting the belt on him. They didn't have any problem putting the belt on Dolph, and he's had issues. But again, this I'm, I'm going to segue away from this because we're going to talk about it for hours. We, as, as much as WWE wants to say that wins and losses don't matter... We don't care anymore about Dolph Ziggler. Absolutely and true. That's be- and that's because of the way he was booked. And Daniel Bryan right now, if they continue to do, do the booking this way, we won't care about him anymore. So, we had a 30-man Iron Man match as the main event of the show because I guess somebody flipped a coin backstage. <laughs> and Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins um, were, were hamming it out for the IC Championship. And both wrestlers proceeded to, to ask that management put the countdown clock for the last 10 minutes of the match so that they could time things out and make sure that they, because they needed to tie, and they also needed to have the, the last almost fall happen just a little too short, which is something they do a lot in Iron Man matches. And, of course, because the crowds are more worried about putting themselves over than the actual matches they watched, the crowd proceeded to count down every 10 seconds and, and do a, a, a Royal Rumble buzzer because they're pieces of shit. Nope. To which... Huh? Nope. What do you mean nope? Nope, nope. I'm going to take a task on that. Um, if they were getting a better fucking product, they wouldn't be doing that. You know where they don't do that shit? They don't do that shit in New Japan. You know where they don't do that shit? They don't do that shit in Ring of Honor. You know where they don't do that shit? They don't even do that shit in Impact. Because the product they're getting in the ring gives them a reason to focus on what's going on in the ring and not have to worry about doing fucking stupid shit like that to entertain themselves. You don't see that at any other sporting event. You don't see that at UFC. You don't, and trust me, if you watched the last UFC show, you saw the worst heavyweight fight in fucking history, and you still didn't see that kind of shit. So please don't... You know what? If I'm fucking paying... 60 upwards of $150 for a ticket to this show, and this is the shit that I'm getting spoon-fed, yeah, I'm going to fucking find a way to occupy myself because the fucking product they're putting in front of me is not entertaining me. All right. 
So apparently the crowd was justified in counting down and making buzzer noises. That's just my take. Um, I mean, how you guys can feel free to disagree with me. I'm just saying I didn't like it. I was annoyed by it, but I don't blame the crowd for it. And and my take is is that it's a WWE audience, and this is the same people that boo Roman Reigns matches that are actually good. Um, this is the same crowd that chants "We won JBL" during women's matches that are actually good. This is the same crowd that what's Alexa Bliss when she's actually putting on a good promo. So I I I get yes some of the things some of the times yeah it's because it's fucking terrible. Randy Orton matches are historical for any for chant for different chants and for the Mexican wave and things like that. Uh, but they. Uh, they also do it for other things as well. Um, but anyway, so the, the match itself, you know, it's a 30-minute Iron Man match where Seth Rollins, who we continue to talk to talk up about how good he is, was saddled with Dolph Ziggler, who used to be a good wrestler and is now not really that good of a hand anymore. Uh, and you can fight me on that. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Yeah, because fuck Dolph Ziggler. No. Fuck that dumb twat. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve to have the IC belt. And him fucking, he's, he's fucking boring as hell. This, this match would have been better served if it would have been Drew McIntyre as the IC champion facing up against Seth Rollins. It would have been a better match all around, and, and you wouldn't have had to deal with fucking Dolph okay. Ziggler. And the crowd probably would have been more into it. First off, Dolph Ziggler is an excellent worker, okay? Fuck him. So, Fuck him. But over and above that, the problem with this match was not Ziggler. It wasn't Rollins. It was... The layout, it was the type of match. Inherently, there's very, there's very little interest in an Iron Man match because of the very premise of the fact that I know I have to sit and watch 30 minutes of wrestling and I know nothing's going to happen until the last five minutes. Nothing matters until the last two, three minutes of that match. So I've got to watch 27 minutes that I know in my head do not fucking matter. And even if you can, that's the difference between watching Omega and Okada go for an hour and 20 minutes, but you know it can end at any time. So you're engaged in every single near fall. You're, you're on the edge of your seat. This match, I already know it doesn't fucking matter. So when Seth Rollins goes up three to nothing, which is another bad thing, the fucking face should always be chasing, not the heel. Uh, but when Seth goes up three nothing, and now you're sitting here looking at, okay, well, I know Dolph is going to come back because the last two minutes have to be interesting. So I know he's coming back. And by the way, as we speak about horrible booking in this match, are we only allowed to disqualify someone once? Because it seems to me that Drew McIntyre came in, beat the shit out of him, got disqualified, stopped, left the ring, came back, beat the shit out of him some more, didn't get disqualified. So that should have been another fall. I would say if there's anyone who's really good at coming on someone's back, it's Seth Rollins with his 90-degree penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you put Kenny Omega and Okada in an Iron Man match, I think it works. I don't think so. I think the premise of the Iron Man match is flawed. Uh, essentially, agree. yes. I've... I would say there have been certain feuds in the history of wrestling that it it it's interesting angle and brock sean and brett you have to have a certain type of feud sean and brett was good because it was the first time we'd seen that on that scale you didn't like angle and brock not really again same th- same problem you run into the same problem i know i'm gonna watch 
20 minute, 27 minutes of match that doesn't fucking mean anything. And that was, I understand the logic between taking two good workers and thinking you're going to get enough oohs and ahs and the shit they do to get by that 27 minutes. The problem is they didn't do enough of that. It was a very basic, very safe match. There wasn't a ton of standout moves. Like if we had broken out a Phoenix splash, maybe there would be like, there was stuff. They left a lot of stuff on the table. But inherently, the Iron Man match is a flawed fucking concept. You got to remember, it's it's the same kind of situation when you have like a two out of three falls match. Typical booking of a two out of three falls match is one guy gets a fall, the other guy gets a fall, uh, then it, the then then shit starts kicking off. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, the first fall in a two out of three falls match, you're just like, ah, eh, whatever. The other guy's gonna get his one now, and with rare exceptions, of course. And yes, I, I fully agree. Anytime you have a time limit match where it's whoever has the most falls, you have that same kind of fucking thing. You know? It's like there there's there's no suspense in it. When you have a like uh, a last man standing match, then you have a better then you yeah. have something better. Then Agreed. every time a guy hits a guy hits the ground, you're like, This could be it. As soon as yeah. as soon as that, that number starts getting closer to ten you start getting anticipation. Right. With this here, when Dolph, Dolph hits a zigzag, you're just like, oh, it must be time for him to start making his comeback. <laughs> well, I'm still sitting here waiting for to get my popcorn, so yeah, I'll, I'll make it back in time. I got 10 minutes. Yep. So yeah, that's, that, that, that is inherently the problem. And I'm with, with Jason on that. I'm not a fan of Iron Man matches. Right. Uh, and to your point, Troy, I think Dolph's character is dead. I think he's a very fine worker he's a very competent worker he knows how to put on a match but his presentation even with mcintyre it's just the same that we've gotten for the past eight years so nobody cares the other the other problem is that nobody cares if seth would have been against elias in this match you still would have had inherently the same kind of problems but at least people care a little bit more about elias than than elias couldn't pull off a 30 minute iron man match i'm not saying he i'm not saying he could i'm saying that there'd be 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 a better a more invested audience still the same issues with an iron man match but at least a little bit more of an investment in it because they actually care about the character but if if, i mean if you put if you would have had jeff hardy and sinsuke nakamura in in a 30-man iron man match people at least would have cared about those two characters given jeff hardy probably would have been snapped (laughs) about 10 minutes into the match but that goes with you know that is what it is i would argue seth is the most over guy in the company right now from a face perspective um, even to the point where he's got that stupid burn it down chant over with the fucking crowd. Um, and him chasing, uh, should be credible enough to, to get over. And it wasn't. Can you um, imagine if it very was easy. Seth versus Brock in I like think that type are, of match for the universal title? It would have been over it, huge. Not if it was an Iron Man match, you'd have run into the same Ugh. fucking problems. Yeah, you're you're always gonna have the same fucking problems. Everyone talks about the Shawn Michaels Bret Bret Hart match as being the greatest match of all time. No, I don't. I don't because I'm because I'm a lot of people do though, right? No. A lot of people say that that's no. It, I don't it, hear it's that regarded, much. It's regarded pretty well, but I mean, when I went back and watched it for Salvation, it's it was boring as fuck. Yeah, it's the same issue. It, 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 you know, it was it was a lot yeah. of dragging. It was a lot of rest holds, yeah. especially in the first thirty. Not minutes. to mention. Not to mention, literally nothing happens in that match until the last, yeah. uh, last and, like, and, ten, like ten seconds of it. And the, the the other difference is you had basically almost a year's worth of people invested in the Shawn Michaels mm. childhood dream storyline right. that was going into right. it. So there was yeah. there was that human element to it. Um, yeah. As far as this match, 
you know, you want to sit here and say, and I've sat here and said that you know the Iron Man match was boring, but there are things you could do. For example, and I'm just throwing this out there, if you had a four-fall mercy rule, and Seth goes up three nothing, well, all of a sudden now I'm a little bit invested because yes. if he pins him again, all of a sudden it could be over, and we we never get to that hour time limit, a half hour time limit. That's true. There are little tweaks that could be done. Fair enough. Speaking of a match that nobody cares about, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley went one-on-one for absolutely nothing. Bobby Lashley wound up winning the match, and he will get to face Roman Reigns again. So <laughs> When it actually means something on Raw. Yeah, where he will promptly lose. <sighs> I actually like this match. I thought they had... I, I thought they the had... Match, the match itself was actually good yeah, because I, it's competent workers. Yeah, I like the build of the match. I didn't... I didn't mind the match so much as uh, I don't know, just just another match. See, I disagree. I I disagree with the take that this match didn't matter or have any stakes because I think that would be true had Roman won. But I think this served. This did have stakes and this did have meaning for Lashley. This was his reintroduction as a top fucking guy at the top of the card in the WWE because they didn't do that in the Sami Zayn program. True. But you put him in the ring with Roman Reigns and you have him go over Roman Reigns clean in the middle of the ring, now he's a credible top guy. Yeah. My my hope obviously is that either he, he beats Roman Reigns or we get a double count out and lead to a triple threat. Yes. Because having having him beat Roman Reigns and then instantly lose to Roman Reigns again two weeks later and then not get a, a title shot will be a waste of the momentum that he's starting to build. I agree with that. If Bobby is legit in the main event scene, then this match was perfect for him. Um, if and he loses to Roman and he's never put in the main event again for the next year, then it was a waste of time. No, he's definitely beating Roman because Hulk Hogan's going to come out and help him win. <laughs> oh, my God. Cock Nakamura <laughs> decided to punch <laughs> Jeff Hardy in the cock. <laughs> I proceed to pin him after six seconds. <laughs> Nakamura's dick shots are like one of my favorite things in wrestling right now. Be- because it's, of Nakamura's mostly, facials. Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly because, he, it mostly because it seems like he, his dick is also hard during the <laughs> <laughs> transaction there. Yeah. So clearly, clearly we knew Jeff Hardy is, is very injured and he can't work through it because he's no longer on a shit ton of painkillers and drugs. So instead, WWE had to get creative with it and have a six-minute match. Ex- a six-second match. So injured that Except he puts on a 20-minute match. A full match. Yeah, exactly. So injured that he puts on a 20-minute match 48 hours later. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think the injury had anything to do with it. And honestly, I didn't even mind this. I think it's – and I talk about this all the time. The, the Part of the problem with the crowd is there's no – the way WWE books things is I know Finn Balor is not winning a match till he hits a coup de gras. I know Kevin Owens, uh, Braun Strowman isn't hit, winning a match till he hits a power slam. So mm-hmm. it, I think it benefits them to occasionally have a match like this that you go, whoa, shit, I didn't see that coming. I didn't, I didn't yeah. think it was going to end there. Um, I think that's actually to their credit that they did that. Right. And any time that you have 15 matches on a, on a card that only lasts for three hours, you have to sometimes get creative. And this was a creative way to have another match in there and not have to give them 15 minutes and build more of a storyline. Because then, of course, you had Randall Orton come out and beat the ever-loving piss out of Jeff Hardy's dick 
hopefully he had his kids and he is happy with the number he has because it's not going to happen anymore at this point. Speaking of Randy Orton appearing at the end of that match. Um, we're not there yet. <laughs> we were just talking about the match. Oh, I thought you were going to move on. No, 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 not SmackDown. I'm talking about him appearing at Extreme Rules and the crowd popping because they thought he was going to go after Nakamura. And then he double legs Jeff and kicks him in the balls. Is, was that like a... I don't know. For some reason, it seemed like a real effective heel turn, which is weird because Randy's another one of those guys like the Big Show who's turned about 17 times. But 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 the difference is, is every time Randy's a heel, he's way more fucking effective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As a face. But like the and crowd was like legit pissed. Like, oh, how could you do that? <laughs> Over and above that, and we'll talk about it later, what he did on SmackDown made him Ugh. one of the top fucking heels in the WWE right yeah. now. Agreed. We'll get to that. So, Agreed. Yeah, so so that's another thing with this is that um, much like much like how Bailey was the one who got cheered because she was being more of a heel for her heel turn, Orton is always going to get cheered every time he turns heel because of that very fact because he's always so much more interesting as a heel. Now he had that nice little run as a as a, a face when he was against Bray and everything like that where he was actually kind of interesting for a little bit. Uh, but then it just kind of went back to normal blase Randy. Um, so, yeah, so he's always seems to be more motivated when he's he's a bad guy. Which is um, sort of why their biggest problem is that they need to get out of the fucking trope of heels and faces at this point. I know yeah. we, we've they've, they've gone on record as saying there are no more heels. That's bullshit because they still book the show as though there are heels and faces. Right, right. Who is and the heel? Who is the heel in the face between Okada and Omega? Nobody. It was just two fucking great workers who both wanted to be the best. That's what made that work. So I'm going to go ahead and um, if, if you can take the next thing I say and actually put it at the start of the episode, <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, we're going to have a drinking game in this episode where every time Jason <laughs> mentions Okada and Omega, <laughs> you take a drink. If you're still alive by the end of the show, tweet us and let us know. Hold on, I need another beer. Dude, for I'm that. sorry if you've, but but here's the problem: is that if you watch that last match they had where Omega won the title, that is at least for this year the gold standard of what professional wrestling should be. Uh, I uh, well, hard to right, argue well, thanks, with you. I'll say that. Thanks for your, thanks for your take on that, Dave. <laughs> All right, so uh, if we have nothing else to say about the six second match. We're going to move right along to a match that none of us have anything to say about as Finn Balor took on Constable Corbin. I, I, uh, I, move, I, I move that we just ignore this altogether. All in favor, say aye. 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 Mm. All right. Uh, let's also <laughs> go ahead and, to end, uh, and take care of the pre-show where Sanity defeated the New Day on the tables match. Kofi Kingston had um, another cool spot. That's about it. Yeah. Nope, nope, we're not we're not talking about it. All right, so the only other match on this on this card, by the way, Jason did beat me nine to six. Uh, and that's a legit nine to six. So finally, that's a legit one. Yeah, he he didn't do his dumb fuckery. <laughs> that pisses me off. Um, the 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 other match that uh, that would would you consider this one match of the night, or was there a different one that you guys thought was match? Oh no, for me it was it was probably Reigns and and Lashley. Okay, uh, uh, steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Kevin Owens where. The winner of the match didn't really win. You just call him Brown Strowman. <laughs> yep. Uh, Brown Strowman. It's fine. Not even, not even drunk. Did we go back to the Brown the Snowman days? I thought we moved past that. I feel, I feel like my my sleep addled brain has gone back to the Brown the, the Brown Strowman. We're gonna. All right. Next thing you know, we're gonna end up with uh, some blue gallows and mm-hmm. Brown Strawman. That's even better. Blue Blue Gallows and Carly Anderson, except they're never going to be on the show, so we'll have no reason to talk about them. True. 
I think, I'm, I, I think there's a, something that you can actually get uh, your podcast transcribed. I think I might actually start doing that just to try to pick out some fun stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so so the, the storyline of this match, obviously, Kevin Owens continued to try to escape the cage at all fucking costs. Uh, continued to run. Wound up making it to the top of the cage. And, uh, you know, Braun Strowman proceeded to grab him and... I mean, I don't know if he choke slammed him or if he just shoved him, but well, he shoved uh, him by the throat. Him, like. Yeah, shoved him off the top of the fucking cage. So Kevin Owens, in a matter of what is it, three weeks, has taken two gigantic fucking long ass falls and, and, and a porta potty. Yes, and and he was also stuffed in an Ajax and shoved off the top of things. <laughs> uh, so here's my misogynist right here, right here. No. <laughs> I saw this this result coming because sort of because the way they booked it, it was so one sided in favor of Braun. I thought they were going to find a way to have Kevin Owens win the match, and they did. My issue with this is that Kevin Owens damn near killed himself on that bump. Okay, uh, the, yeah. The, the table wasn't cleared off, so he went right through all the monitors. There's a lot that could have fucking gone wrong. The thing is. There was really no reward for the risk of that bump, because by the end of that show, you barely fucking remember that spot. And you can sit there and compare it to mankind going off to hell in a cell, but that is still in people's minds years later, and no one even fucking remembers that mankind lost that match or cares. Nobody even remembers that Kevin Owens took this ridiculously insane risk with his career for a throwaway mat, throwaway spot, and essentially a comedy match, I just I did not like that they did that. Well, I think I think the biggest issue nowadays is we're so desensitized. To exactly. It. At at the time that that Mick Foley was thrown through the Hell in a Cell, cut his fucking lip open, you know, got thrown off the top of the cage of any of that, we weren't doing shit like that on a week to week basis. We had the entire fucking years of the Hardcore Championship. We had Shane McMahon continually risking his life every chance that he got and we've gotten to the point now where we've kind of pulled back a lot of that because we realized oh wait we want these guys to actually wrestle more than two years we should probably stop making them fall 20 feet to their death uh, or you know 55 feet to their death whatever um and (laughs) so so when we get things like this like you know shane mcmahon flying off the top of the hell in a cell onto a giant cushion um, the the audience will do their whole holy shit thing, and then they'll be like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know, and right. so now you have, you know, okay, Kevin Owens fell from a 20-foot ladder, and they're thinking, oh, that was a cool move. Well, I guess that's over. Let's go, oh, what's what's uh, what's he going to do next? You know, and he's kind of become that, the Shane McMahon, where every, ch- every time you get a Shane McMahon match where it's during the Attitude Era, where there was a stipulation to it, you're like, what's this guy going to fucking do now? And even now when he's had his comeback, they're like, is he going to do coast to coast? Is he going to fly off the top? Is he going to fucking sacrifice a goat to the, to the devil in order to <laughs> suck Cain down to the depths of hell? What's he going to do next? And that's that I think is the problem is that with, with the attention span of your audience and the desensitization that we've had because of the fact that we can go and fucking watch. Uh, speaking of, uh, ICW is going to be returning soon and guess what? They're going to have a fucking light tube match. Mm. When you've got wrestling like that going on, you're just like, okay, well, WWE's just doing it, but doing it a little bit safer. Uh, and to your point about being desensitized, and it's not on the perfect 10, so I can mention it without... It, it's a valid point, and I say that because it dawned on me specifically watching Raw this week because 
Finn Balor did a tope con hero to the outside, and I think it was Michael Cole said something like, blah, 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 and this is what sets him apart is he can fly like a cruiserweight. And I'm sitting there going, I'm pretty sure someone's done a dive to the outside in every fucking match on this show tonight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, including and Drew McIntyre, who did McIntyre, fucking- <laughs> Big E does them. Uh, fucking literally, like, everybody does them. I've seen Elias do them. I like... It's, it's not fucking special it's anymore. The new arm drag. <laughs> we, let's let's not forget we've seen Braun Strowman fly through the middle. Yep. Ropes. The so. the only time so, it's special yeah. anymore is when Cedric Alexander hits his dick trying to do it. I busted it actually, big dog. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which I I completely understand. It's Cedric Alexander. The guys guys working with a limp ten, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like you said, the same thing happened in NXT. Where when, you know, you look at the NXT Revisited, you know, whenever I get back to doing that show. And in 2012, that wasn't happening every match. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, they became where it's like, okay, well, now everyone's jumping to the fucking outside because that ramp is there. And now it's like, you can't have a match without five of those spots happening in it. Otherwise, people are going to get bored. So, yeah, you've got it, you know, you've got it now where... That's that's why nobody cares that much about 205 Live right now either. Because they're like, well, I see this on the main show, too. But I, but those guys, I know a little bit better than these guys. So why would I watch another show about guys doing flippy shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in any event, I'm going to do this because I have it in my head now. We're going to segue from talking about a limp 10 to a... The perfect 10! A 10! A 10! A fucking 10! So we're going to do a nice little truncated one here because it's getting later and later in the day. Um, so let's <laughs> go ahead and, and run down this one. Uh, oh no, Sal and I are going to fight some more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, new NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa, continues to be fucking the best spoilers, thing Fucking spoilers, dude! Right? <laughs> I didn't even Jesus fucking hear that Christ. yet! Uh, motherfuckers! Motherfuckers! <laughs> uh, well, if hey, you're listening you're... to this, odds are you have the internet, so there's no way you didn't know anyway. Exactly. Oh my god, we have fucking 50 people who listen to this show, less when they see that I'm going to be on. So, <laughs> no, anybody who's listening to the fucking show, first of all, hates me anyways. Second of all, probably already knows that Thomas Ochampa is the new NXT champion because he beat Aleister Black on a taping. See, I wrote, about, I wrote this before that even happened. I was talking about last week's episode. I don't know no, if you, you guys... probably should have taken it off. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw last week's episode, but uh, they did a segment where... Alistair Black has a little run-in with Johnny Gargano, and Johnny does the whole, he can't become champion. Well, that didn't work out. But um, immediately, Alistair walks through this door that says, do not enter. Clearly should have followed the advice. As soon as he walks through this door, he gets jumped by Tommaso, who proceeds to put him on, like, the trainer's table and fucking face for, like, draping DDT him into the fucking concrete floor. It was a stiff-ass shot. It looked great. Uh, and Tommaso, as he walks away, just does the little wave thing, which is one of my new favorite fucking things in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And to your point about him being the greatest thing on NXT, uh, a few days after that, or maybe it was this week, but regardless, he sends out a tweet, and it's pictures of him when he was on SmackDown in 2005 with The Undertaker as his yeah. as the lawyer. And he said, I wonder if The Undertaker knew he would be in the ring that night with the greatest sports entertainer to ever live. I don't know. My favorite was Siri. Show me a so show me a transitional champion. Yes. <laughs> a picture of Alistair yes. Black. No, he, he has been money like. Oh, ever and, since and he here's came the back. thing that amazes me about Tommaso Ciampa. He is like the one fucking guy 
that's been able to get legit fucking heel heat, especially in NXT with the smarky crowd down there. Like, this is the type of guy that they should be all over and cheering as a heel, but he doesn't even have music because his entrance music is the sound of people booing the shit out of him. He is the best heel in professional wrestling right now, bar none, not close, and I absolutely love the way he's doing it. And you know what else he's doing, to your point? Anybody who is cheering him, he's cutting them off right away. Absolutely. He's not playing the Adam Cole role where he's chanting along with them. He's like, for all of you people chanting Psycho Killer, now fuck you. You're not chanting that, all right? He cuts them right off. He won't even sell his fucking T-shirt. Like, he refuses (laughs) to allow them to sell it because people want it. Like, he's passing up on merch royalty because he's so committed to the character he's doing. It's an old school thing that you don't see anymore. Like a nope. heel truly being a heel in every single aspect. Yep, that's that's don't, old school, for sure. Don't drink my water, asshole. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck just happened? He's <laughs> yelling at his cat. Oh, okay. I'm yelling at my pussy. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of a gigantic pussy, uh, Hulk Hogan was reinstated <laughs> into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, we had a couple of different people have different takes on this. Uh, Mark Henry seemed to say that it was a 50-50 split of the black members of, of the uh, of the crew uh, on if they were happy or pissed off. Um, there were some reports out there that Titus O'Neil walked out that wasn't true, uh, but Titus O'Neil was not very happy with it. Uh, the New Day probably came out with one of the better responses where they say that they were indifferent to it, um, but, but that... It didn't, but they were not going to forget that it happened. So uh, let's go ahead and fight about Hulk Hogan being a racist. Uh, okay, so allow so, me to start. Well, can I just can I just real quick before you do that because I found this compelling. I'm not going to even give my take here. I just wanted to read what I thought was the most poignant excerpt from Titus O'Neil's statement because it did stand out to me. Um, he posted as part of his statement on Twitter. At no point, during, after, or otherwise, did I make a scene concerning Mr. Belay's communication to the talent. In addition, let it be known that I did not refuse to shake Mr. Belay's hand. We did not have any type of one-on-one interaction whatsoever. Um, as to the... Hold on, there's a... Okay. Unfortunately, I must echo the sentiment and dissatisfaction expressed by many of my fellow contemporaries concerning Mr. Belay's apology and its lack of true contrition, remorse, and desire to change. Mr. Belay's apology that he did not know he was being recorded is not remorse for the hateful and violent utterances he made, which reprise language that has caused violence amongst, against blacks and minorities for centuries. Go ahead, Go ahead, Sal. Okay, so that's that's Titus O'Neil's feelings on it, and he is definitely entitled to his opinion, not just as a black wrestler, but as a wrestler in general. He has an he has a right to his opinion. The New Day and have a the father of young black males. Yes, and the New Day have the right to their opinion. I thought that their statement was very profound, and they said they don't respond to hate with hate. You know, like Troy said, they're indifferent to it, but they're not going to forget. Um, so here's here's my kind of take on it is is and i think the new day touched on this as well career wise there is no reason why that man should not be in the hall of fame as far as the money he's you know he made for the company for the industry for what he did for the industry that that's separate 
And I think career-wise, he shouldn't have been taken out of the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's a lot of worse people that are in the Hall of Fame. Um, and I think the WWE panicked when they initially took him out. Um, as far as his comments that were recorded, I have a feeling, uh, just some type of a hunch, that he's not the only one from that generation that feels that way. He was just the only one who got caught on tape. I'm um, not please, saying that's please, right. Please, please do not tell me you're justifying this. No, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not okay. saying that, that he has any excuse for his actions. I'm saying that I guarantee you that there's a lot of people from his generation that feel the exact same way. Because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to guarantee you that the first time in his life Hulk Hogan used hate speech, he did not get videotaped doing it. I, that, that was not the first time that's happened. No, of course not. So he was very comfortable throwing around those phrases and words. This was something he did fairly regularly. Now, I know Booker T called him that once, so it was perfect, probably thought it was perfectly acceptable. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, and to what Titus said, and I think he's 100%, really the only thing I've heard Hulk Hogan say is, I didn't know I was being recorded, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not a statement of remorse. That's a statement of remorse for getting caught not for what you did. And I say that to my fucking eight-year-old son all the time when he apologizes for doing something. Are you apologizing because you feel bad you did it? Or are you apologizing because you got caught and you're in trouble? And I believe Hulk Hogan is apologizing because he got caught and he got in trouble, not because he actually believes that he did anything wrong. As somebody who um, is right now dealing with a member of uh, his favorite sports team, who got into a little bit of trouble recently, and his name is uh, Hater. So, <laughs> you will, don't be a hater. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, this is this is going to continue to be a, a, an issue here, and there's so much more that happens, you know, without prying eyes, without cameras, without things like that that we don't know about, and you know if. If if it was if if this didn't come out and instead we just heard like you know Hulk Hogan out of the blue went up to some of the black wrestlers and was like look you know I I apologize that I you know that that I have done things in the past you know or said things in in the past without any prompting you'd be you would applaud him you'd be like that's somebody who's actually got remorse it's always after the fact on things it's always it's all you know. It's always a shit where it's like once it comes out, then it's oh, mia culpa, sorry, I, I'm really sorry, and now I'm going to go and try to be a better person, stuff like that. But there's never there's never that initiative taken to begin with. So, you know, somebody like Hulk Hogan, the the shit that he said, he shouldn't be forgiven for. I also, you know, there there are much more egregious things that Hall of Fame members have done, like killed a person. <laughs> That should pro- that should probably Fa- fabulous Moolah from- still in the Hall of Fame. That's true. Those those are the people that that you're like. Well, where's the out- outrage for that? Right. You know, because it should be. It sh- I'm not saying that there shouldn't be outrage for Hulk Hogan. There should be, but there should also be outrage for other actions too that are just as bad or or worse. You know. So. As far as what would what would sort of make me feel better about this, and I know a lot of people are not fans of this guy, and I'm personally not a huge fan of him, but I've I've heard him make this case, and uh, I think it's actually a fairly cogent idea. 
Um, Peter Rosenberg, who does a lot of the uh, pre-show stuff for WWE, hosts his own podcast, which I can't even listen to anymore. It's gotten way too over-the-top hokey. But at one point on there, when this story first started coming around, that you know Hulk wanted back in, blah, 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 um, he went on there and made the case that, listen, I work on Hot 97. My audience is predominantly African-American, and I'm a huge wrestling fan. Hulk Hogan can come on my show. He can express his, his remorse. He can take calls. He can listen to comments from the people who were hurt by what he said, by the fact that somebody they grew up idolizing just said this about them. Um, and to me, that would have been a situation where if Hogan did that and showed that contrition and showed that he was willing to own up and take responsibility, um, I'd probably feel better about this. The fact that he essentially went into sequester himself and just stay out of the public eye while continuing to retweet things like, well, so-and-so said this, I can't believe Hulk Hogan's... That, that shows me you don't actually get it. You don't actually have remorse. You're just looking for the fastest way to get off the hook. And it sounds like the speech that he gave at the pay-per-view from everything we're reading... Uh, was another case of that not showing actual contrition just trying to say the thing that he thinks will make people forget about it as fast as possible and good on the new day and good on titus for not letting him off the hook for it yeah we you know it's also it, it also puts these guys in a compromising position because they have to because we we know that there are consequences for speaking out against what WWE does and these guys had to had to walk that fine line between flat out saying like I don't agree with what they did and trying to be true to themselves. I think they did a fantastic job, you know, because they did say, you know, that even though their last line of it was like, oh, you know, we we stand by WWE's decision and everything like that, you know, it still does put them into kind of a bad position where like nobody nobody wins in this situation anyways. Yeah, you know, in in terms of things like that, but. Um, yeah, good on on them guys for actually coming out and and saying shit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the fact that Hulk Hogan's, you know, his his tweet when it was like he met with these people was him just fucking jerking himself off again more. It still wasn't that like you know, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm sorry, I did it. So his thing was li literally. Met with WWE superstars on all levels of volume of love and support was overwhelming. I've been praying for this day and finally feel like I made it back home. But none of that is like, you know, uh, is is him taking responsibility. It's more like, oh well, I've just I've just been sitting back hoping that eventually people would forget about it and I could come back to the WWE. Yeah, no, you know? at no point did he put himself out on the firing squad, which I think you have to sort of do for yeah. something like that. So we've seen it. In sports all the time, Troy, I know you're an avid sports fan like myself. We see it all the time when guys get popped for PEDs. They have mm -hmm. to come out and face the music and answer the questions and face the journalists. And, you know, and sometimes they lie and sometimes they, they, they you know, so, um, I forget the word I'm looking for. But at certain points they avoid obfuscate the, the, the case. But they at least go out there and face the music. And at no point do I feel like Hogan's ever done that. Right. And sometimes... It gets completely swept under the carpet, and you can make homophobic comments like the Warrior did, and it gets completely ignored, and you get put in the Hall of Fame anyway. I mean, and you get a, get a, 
you get an award named after you. get an award you. named after you. <laughs> and, they give it to a, and they give it to a black kid because they're like, oh, this makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, 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 that's... And sometimes you get Kobe Bryant respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, we've, we've all, most sports fans understand that um, as long as long as people can cheer for you and you make them money, you can get away with murder. Literally, literally, in a, in a lot of cases. Um, and you know, we've we've we could talk till we're fucking blue in the face about how how much things like that continue to happen. Where I mean, you've got you've got the one guy that in the NFL that slammed his girlfriend's face into a toilet seat and threw on a bed of guns and threatened to kill her, and he got he's still playing. Yep. You know, Roethlisberger's just, still playing. Kobe Bryant, Rothel, Kobe yeah. Bryant's doing specials on ESPN now. Like, it's right. it, it's Ray a very, it, it is a very forgiving society in that sense. Like, they're very willing to sort of push past things. And I don't think there's nearly the public outrage about Hulk Hogan's return that would have been there several years ago. Um, but I, I definitely applaud the New Day and Titus O'Neil for taking a stand and not just following the company line and being, and being true to what they believe in. So good on those guys. No, absolutely. I'm just going through Hulk Hogan's Twitter here. Ugh, it's a mess. And it... Dash HH. Dash HH. Yeah, first of all, I can't, I can't believe nobody has told him he doesn't need to sign his own tweets. <laughs> um, but also, he retweets anything in res- respect to him. Oh. Anytime people are like are, are mention him or are wearing his shirt, he will retweet you. Yep. Yeah. Because because now, that's how much of a self. Well, to be fair, if you go on Sasha Banks or the Iconics fucking Instagram, it's the same thing. If you send them a picture wearing their T-shirt, they're fucking re- reposting you on their Instagram. So that's, same that's true. Fucking deal. That's that's just celebrity whoring yourselves out exactly. for followers yeah. and retweets and shit. And I don't mean to, to just put it on like the Iconics and Sasha because they're not far from the only ones who do it. It's just the ones that popped in right. my head. No, in any any genre of entertainment, they're going to do that. You know, movies. Now, if you can find music. me a tweet with Hulk Hogan tweeting at Kobe Bryant, then I'd be interested. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. All right, moving right along here. Um, known swindler, Paul Heyman, returned hey, to hey, hey. Uh, set up a SummerSlam match. Tell me I'm wrong. He's a, he's a good Jewish father. Uh, he still owes a lot of people money from ECW. He still owes a lot of people money. He's a piece of shit. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so piece of shit Paul Heyman returned uh, to set up a match um, because apparently, like, you know, Kurt Angle's just like, oh, okay, I guess that's fine. I, like, okay. Kurt Angle was going to, going to strip him of it. Okay, okay. I, I was expecting Brock to actually show No, he up. did strip him no. of it. He was like, he stripped of the title. and then Paul Which was... got the biggest fucking pop they've had on Raw in months. And Heyman was like, wait! And I didn't know Heyman made the decisions on Raw, but apparently he does. So. But I... also, also it, this, this, was, this was like, okay, well, we're, we're going to repossess your vehicle if you don't pay us $1,000 today. Okay, I, I understand that. But, but listen, listen, hear me out. In three weeks, I'll pay you five hundred dollars. Uh, I'll kindly give okay? I'll kindly give you five dollars next week for a burger today. Um, <laughs> that's, that's literally what happened here. He's like, if, if he doesn't come out right now and defend his belt, and Paul Heyman comes out and goes, he'll defend it at SummerSlam. Boom. No, 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 because because Angle's original thing was that he had to agree to a match at SummerSlam yes. or he was going to get stripped of the title. So he ultimately did that. Um, 
my bigger issue is with the rest of this segment because it was just so fucking paint by numbers. It was like, oh, well, all right, well, he's agreed to a match. Okay, cue Roman Reigns. Cue Drew McIntyre. Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. Seth Rollins. Cue, like, let's, Finn Balor. Let's just bring everybody out. And it's like... I felt like they were setting up an elimination chamber match. <laughs> <laughs> like, didn't we just scrap a fucking multi-person match at the pay-per-view the other night? Because, like, why didn't we just do this there? No. But I will point out, Seth Rollins was in this mix, so clearly he was supposed to be in the main event picture, which, again, was why he dropped the Intercontinental title. Right. But uh, <laughs> Did he win his triple threat match? What? Nope. Oh, got it. Yeah. I didn't say he was going to win the fucking thing. I just said he was going to be involved in the mix, and he was. Right. Although I will say there was a big part of me that thought we were going Roman and Seth. In the, I in did, the, too. I, I did, too, part. which would have been fine um, or better. Yeah, it would have been fine. I, I, I Obviously, I'm seriously hoping it's Lashley just for the freshness of what that story could be. Here, here's my other big problem with this. Everybody and their fucking mama comes out because they want a title shot. Why the fuck is Braun Strowman not out there? Because he's got a guaranteed shot. He's got the briefcase. Yeah, but so did Rob Van Dam, and he went, you know what? If there's going to be a title shot at the pay-per-view, I'm cashing it in there. That's I want true. my title shot. So why the fuck would Braun Strowman not do Ooh, that? Maybe Braun comes out next week and he beats the shit out of Lashley and Reigns and is like, I'm cashing it, Braun! And then Hulk Hogan comes out and makes the save. When you hate black people, but it's okay. Oh, God. As long as I don't have to face New Day. Anyways. Oh, I had a whole thing. I was going to keep going. Okay, guys. Speaking of Angle letting other people run his show. Ronda Rousey jumps the fucking... Ronda Rousey violated her suspension because she's still suspended. And got rewarded for it. Beat the shit out so, of Bliss and Mickey James. Yeah. So Ronda Rousey will be at SummerSlam, as if we didn't already know that was going to happen. And we'll get her rematch against Alexa Bliss. Or not rematch, sorry. Uh, we'll face Alexa Bliss to try to, to get the championship that she was kind of screwed out of by Alexa Bliss. Alright, so... You escape prison. Okay, you get put in prison for committing a crime. You escape prison. Okay, done that before? Alright. <laughs> you escape prison. They find you, and they're like, all right, you know what? We're going to tack an extra year onto your sentence because we caught you escaping prison. Okay, fine. You go back into prison. You escape prison again. And they go, wow, you're really fucking good at escaping prison. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you back in prison, but when you get out, we're going to give you a million dollars. No, no. I'll do you one better. It's, we're going to put you back in prison. If you promise not to escape again, yeah. we'll let you out early. And we'll give you a million dollars. This is just the most nonsensical bullshit ever. Like, and not for nothing. No, no shade on Ronda Rousey, right? But if the mere mention of a title shot brings out every single person on the male fucking roster. Why is Sasha not coming out here pissed off? Why is Bailey not coming out here pissed off? Why is Nia not coming? Natty, none of them who have been there every week busting their ass, winning matches, 
in a lot of cases. Uh, they're not coming out here looking for this title shot. They're just like, all right, cool. She hasn't actually won a match in, in the women's division yet. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She had a singles match. With, uh, what, Mandy Rose or something? Uh, Mickey James. Did they do that on TV? I know they had a lot of altercations. I don't no, know no, no. Was... She had a singles match with Sonya Deville. Okay, and... was that? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And okay. won, and it was on TV, I think. If I'm okay, correct. well, that clearly would make you the number one contender. Cause... <laughs> clearly, because Sonya Deville is a main event. Yeah, absolutely. So, my point still stands. <laughs> mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of people who deserve the, uh, the title shot more than, than them. No, you know what would have been better is if she beat up Alexa and Angle's like, what are you doing? I'm going to suspend you again. And she was like, Kurt, I'm a fucking worldwide superstar. And he was like, all right, you're right. You get a title shot. <laughs> no, no, it would have been like, it was, she would have beat up again. And Kurt's like, you're suspended. And then all of a sudden, like her, her, her boyfriend or her husband came out and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't, you, you can't suspend her because she's going to be in a match at SummerSlam. And Kurt would be like, uh, well, you know, the other guy came out and told me what to do, so I guess I'll take your word for it. You're, you're the advocate for him, right? Spe- okay, spe- all right. Speaking of shitty people, do yourself a favor and look up Travis Brown's history. Um, oh, yes, please do. <laughs> By the way, uh, he is, is in talks with WWE about being in a mixed tag match yeah, with yeah. Ronda Rousey as his partner. Yeah. So, obviously, WWE continues to not give a shit about yeah. pieces of shits. Yeah, and Kane Velasquez is at the uh, training center as well, so... Yeah, also known piece of shit. Yeah. Why, why yeah. would you guys expect WWE to give a shit Can, about pieces of shit when they had an event in Saudi Arabia for a billion dollars or whatever the fuck it was? Because this is the same company that keeps China out, out of the fucking Hall of Fame. Because, because she was she a porn star. Yeah, but has an, a, an actual porn star in their Hall of Fame. Right, with her Hall of Fame ring in the video. That's another story. Yep, yep. She pooped, she farted. <laughs> she pooted. She <laughs> pooted. <laughs> All right. Can so, we can we discuss uh, why we keep changing the perfect ten on the fly? Here? Oh no, we're not changing the perfect ten. <laughs> no, fair point. None of us are. Oh no, no, because because it's ten forty-five at night. We still have uh, indie dates to do. Why That's why like, are we not talking about the Scissor Sisters? Because yeah, to me that was like one of the major parts of Raw. All right. Well, if you want to talk about it, Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey seem to be heading towards. Uh, Eric Bischoff's favorite uh, segment on Raw. HLA. That's right. Uh, so go ahead, talk about it. Yeah, it, so <laughs> we went through, you know, a bunch of really shitty segments of, um, was it personal therapy, whatever, and uh, they come back and Bailey has this thing with Kurt Angle where it's it's not working out. And you know what? On Raw, we settle shit in the ring. Well, why the fuck did we just spend two weeks not settling it into the ring and doing it in therapy. But, okay. And, and Kurt's solution is, you guys can't stand each other, but I need you as a team. Why? Why do... It's the same thing. It's, it's the Cesaro and Sheamus thing again, all over again. Why do two singles wrestlers in a division that has no tag team titles need to be a team? Why is that a thing? You know what pisses me off is that I bought into it when he said, we settle in the ring. And I'm like, finally, they're going to fight at SummerSlam. And then he's like, I'm putting you in a tag match tonight. And I'm like, what are you doing? Holla, holla, holla. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Did I miss something? What the fuck? <laughs> but then they go and have the tag match. 
And Sasha saves Bailey from getting her ass beaten and walks away. And then we cut to the back, and they have this soap opera, poorly acted soap opera moment, which ends with Sasha saying, I love you. I've always loved you. And And walking away. And a neat kiss. No, and the but baby's like, but I died in that elevator, and, and I'm just a ghost now, so how can this be? <laughs> just, like, I understand that they have former soap opera writers on the fucking <laughs> roster, but that was the most soap opera shit I've ever seen. Why? Like, oh, my God. I, you know what? I, I was about to say they don't book the men like this, and then I remember this is how they book Team Hell No. Right. So... They sort of do. But at least Team Hell No had a tag division to work within. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. L- hold on. D- it, what's worse, the writing for the backstage segment or Bailey's acting? Where she's like, oh, I Sasha's just don't understand, Sasha, why you don't li- why you can't just tell me? And Sasha's like, you know I don't like to talk about my feelings. Oh, it was awful. Awful, awful, awful. <laughs> I actually thought for a second they were doing a commercial for 2K19 because I was like, this shit can't, like, legit be the storyline, right? Like, you know, why can't you just say it? Because you know I haven't had my $5 foot long from Subway yet. <laughs> and I can't think while I'm hungry. Bailey! Why are you acting like such a cunt? You're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> oh, Try see, snakes. you used the word first. You're the first one to use it on the episode. Not even Troy this week. <laughs> I do I do want to say I made sure I wasn't saying anything bad about the women. Uh, to be content. fair, you dropped the T word about five times already. <laughs> That's so, about, about the men, though. So, about the men. So, I intentionally did it towards the men. And mine was done in pure satire, so... Oh, yeah. Okay, Hulk Hogan. I was just, <laughs> All right. I was mocking a Snickers commercial, asshole. <laughs> uh, All right. Anyways, so, the, so then they kissed. All right. Well, I guess uh, they will. I mean, uh, that's where this is going, right? They're going to well, make Troy, out. Troy's gonna really going to want to hate fuck him at that point. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Who did they even fight? Do they? There's no, there's no fucking... Um, there's one tag team on Raw. Who the um, the riot squad? The riot, the riot family. Is the, the riot family. family. <laughs> Dude, he's been doing that joke forever. Where the fuck have you been? I, I, I still love that joke. I, I pop every you, time dude. he says that. I just think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only tag team that you have. The only thing funny about the riot squad at this point is the the really stupid shit with Michael Cole and Liv Morgan every week. Like. Well, I went up to her and I asked her why her tongue was blue, and she said, "Cause I like the color blue, dummy." And I'm like, "Fuck is this?" I thought you yeah, were gonna say it's... Liv Morgan riding down. Um, well, wait, what? Sarah Logan <laughs> on her back, on, on her back in a piggyback formation to the ring. I find that enjoyable. Shit's getting hot. <laughs> this segment of the rundown brought to you by Sal's Fantasies. <laughs> The Run On Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Sal's Tightening Pants. <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of putting things where they don't belong, uh, <laughs> Red, er, Jeff Hardy had a rematch against Shins- Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, which of course was disrupted by uh, Mr. Randall Keith Orton. And uh, <laughs> there... 
there are very few things at this point that actually can make me cringe. I, I mean, I watch medical gore and shit like that, and I'm just like, whatever. But when a dude sticks his finger into another dude's gauged ear and lifts him up off the ground by oh. it, I cringe. I, I, I agree. I've, I turned away from the TV. It was fucking awful. It yeah. was the worst thing, I think. It was equally the worst and the best thing I've seen on WWE yeah. television simultaneously in a long yeah. time. Um, I thought the they entire, were... The entire crowd was cringing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I thought they were going to go full Monty and just have him rip it right there. I thought he was going to rip it, even accidentally. Like, that shit was fucking vile. Like... Yeah. My, fa- my favorite part about this, too, is that there was just recently a video on WWE.com where they were talking about it with a couple of different people who have piercings, like Ruby Ride and Jeff Hardy. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned the fact that he almost had his gauged ear ripped yep. out. And I feel like Randy Orton watched that and was like, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the and, fact that from now until eternity, we have the joke that Randy Orton's been inside Jeff Hardy. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But here's the question is, how much are they going to replay it? Use, uh, use that oh. in this feud? Like, oh, like the slow of gonna- it. What we should get is like the old school, like where Jake had, Jake had the snake bite Randy Savage, and they they pixelated it, and you could sort of see it happening, but you couldn't make they it bl- out. They blur it out. They put a sensor over it. That's what they should do. Yeah. Oh, if they if they censor Randy Orton leaning over Jeff Hardy and they censor his his ear hole, you're you're gonna think so. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, I give Jeff Hardy. <laughs> at least I give, that's I give, at least that's the the hole on Jeff Hardy he chose to stick his fingers in. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I I give Jeff a lot of credit here because that's a a lot of trust to put into a guy, and for them to have to move together to make sure that Orton didn't accidentally rip fucking or, or, or Hardy's ear out <laughs> was was pretty good. And then then the fact that Orton was able to quickly slide his finger out of Jeff Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> before before throwing him into the table, there. I mean, that was that was something else, man. That was something I haven't seen before on WWE television or any wrestling promotion for that matter. I've never seen a guy get picked up by his fucking ear hole and almost have it ripped. Same. Yeah, no, it was it was awful. All right, but I'm dying to get to this next topic, so let's get let's go. All right, all right. So. The main event of our perfect ten was changed. Uh, this was not my. This is not the main event I put in here. So this was Troy's. <laughs> I thought I, we, we've deleted about seven of my my entries now tonight. So let's go ahead and see what Troy has to do. All right. So this is actually Sal's topic, uh, but he wanted to discuss the fact that uh, uh, NXT seems to have changed from what it originally was. Um, and I wanted to know exactly what NXT is right now, other than a terrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See that now I'm less amped because this is not what the title indicated it was going to be. <laughs> oh well, my original title because I, as as I said on last week's show, I I try to make my friends laugh. Uh, was what's NXT can suck my mediocre dick, but uh, and they can. Or uh, your consensual I was, penis. I, I know. I know it was you. I know it was you that wrote that. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so uh, obviously we know the history of NXT. It started off as you know Florida Championship Wrestling, which was the the developmental league that took over after OVW uh, departed with from WWE. Uh, eventually turned into a terrible reality show that Titus O'Neil fell down on. Uh, then be- before returning back to being an actual um, you know developmental league, but now as Triple H continues to say, it's a brand on on all of its own. 
<clears throat> but for whatever reason, when the NXT superstars switch brands, they also completely change their character. Who's changed uh, so their character? I mean, really, who's... I, um, I, when I, saw uh, that I think the sales point was horrible. Tyler Breeze is still doing the same shit he was doing in NXT, complete with the selfie stick, the sliding entrance. He's, he's exactly the fucking same guy, except he's teaming with Fandango. No, first of all, Fandango's injured, so he's not teaming with Fandango. Second of all, for, while he was teaming with Fandango, he was an 80s spoof cop. He was not... With a, selfie, with a selfie stick, doing the same entrance to the same fucking music that he did in NXT. The only difference was he was in a tag team. I think it, it used to happen. Um, it used to happen a lot more than it happens now. Uh, you know, Curtis Axel, Kevin Owens, same. From, Sami Zayn, same. Okay, Iconics, well, same. Oh, Charlotte, let's talk about same. Finn Balor. Let's same. talk about Finn Balor. Same Finn guy, Balor. same entrance. Really? All right, same well, entrance? All right, well, yes. sure about that. Okay. He doesn't turn his back and do the. Ah, He's not a <laughs> demon anymore. He's not booked like a, a special attraction anymore. That's for sure. That's different than changing the gimmicks. You said they changed their gimmicks. Well, let's put it this way: Vince tweaks it to. They're booked poorly. They're is booked, a very valid thing to yes, say. They are booked poorly, and a lot Change of what makes their them gimmicks special is not accurate. All right, would you say that Asuka has the same gimmick as she had in NXT? Yes. Then why is she received so badly? Or why is because she not she's booked at the level? poorly? Okay, why? If you if you are having you got that there's a difference between your gimmick and your booking, right? Asuka's gimmick in NXT was she was a he killer. Was she What's not that? a killer in NXT? That was, was she not a killer. How now? she was booked. Her gimmick is crazy Japanese chick with the multicolored hair and the bright robes and the thong and the mask. That's her gimmick. No, her gimmick was <laughs> essentially the Queen of Strong Style. Somebody who Reverse would fucking legal. knock your goddamn head off and make and you tap. And she still is. Really? Because she just got pinned by Carmella. That doesn't... But that's her booking. That's that's not sure. Her whole thing was she was going to kill James Ellsworth. Okay, well, let's just say their gimmicks have been watered down. From the... that, that you can say. You can say that their gimmicks are are watered down. You can say that their gimmicks are suppressed. Yes. You can't say that they're completely changed. Okay. Because they're not changed. What, what, they're not coming up with completely brand new gimmicks for them. But a lot of what made them special in NXT are uh, not being brought to the main roster. That's No, no. Yeah. That's booking. They're but not why? being booked as over as they were because they went from being big fish in a small pond to being small fish in a big pond. I don't believe that for a second. That's the reality, dude. The reality, when you took a guy like Roman Reigns and stuck him with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose and then booked the Shield to beat every single team they put, up, they put them against for a year, all three of them came out like superstars. But okay. when you book the okay. Wyatt hold on, family... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What was, how, how did the Shield do as a unit in NXT? I don't even think they were on it. Exactly. Exactly. They weren't they booked weren't the same. as a, This was an entirely yeah. new group. Yeah, this, this is before you guys started bitching at each other. This is what I was trying to say. Back in the day, it used to happen when they came from NXT, which was a developmental league at the time, to the main roster their gimmicks were changed. Like Johnny Curtis becoming Fandango, Michael McGillicuddy becoming Curtis Axel, you know, 
Then it turned into guys would, would be up on the main roster, go back down, alter their gimmicks like Bray Wyatt and guys like that, and then come back with those gimmicks intact. That's what it used to happen when it, when it first happened. Now what happens is that the guys carry their gimmicks over, albeit they might be watered down, and the issue that we continue to have is the booking on things. Because Fandango, when he became Fandango, was a, was a dancer. He beat Chris Jericho in a mediocre match, and then they completely gave up on him. Bray Wyatt, they didn't know how to use, but he was still doing the same shit. Now, eventually, obviously, all of these gimmicks have morphed into something else, or and the thing with Adam Rose completely changed altogether. But they were largely brought up the same way. And again, we talk about it where a guy like Velveteen Dream, because of the audience that are down there, because it's a smart audience and everything like that, can afford to lose. But if you do the same thing, like with No Way Jose right now, where he's lost a couple of times, people don't fucking care anymore. Well, No Way Jose was never as over as Velveteen Dream. But you get what I'm saying, though. No, but Nakamura was. He was over on NXT. And and Nakamura was never booked as the quote-unquote rock star in NXT. He was booked as the king of strong style. And up until zero, he's healed... Well, hold on. No, no, no. I'm not going to no. let you slide on that one because zero, no, zero fucking changed in Nakamura's presentation other than they threw a stupid nickname on him. Yeah. Other than because that, he... the presentation was exactly the same. The entrance was the same. The crowd reaction was the same. They were chanting that song every time. So much so mm. that when he turned heel, they had to change the fucking song because they were still doing it so much. The entrance, the drop-in, the yah, the good vibration, everything was the fucking same for Nakamura from NXT to the WWE. Except yeah, the, the booking. Only... Yeah, the only difference is, is that yeah, that that same gimmick on a larger scale audience, they don't get it as much as the smaller audience. No, no, I, I I don't just think that's true. I think he was the gimmick was super over. Nakamura was super over on the main fucking yeah. roster. The problem was, the problem was he, he wasn't was booked like Mahal. a top guy. <laughs> yeah, he lost to Jinder Mahal. All right, yeah, so exactly. going back going back to the original <laughs> yeah. question, if mm-hmm. if is NXT an indie promotion that Triple H runs to make the hardcore fans of WWE happy? Or is it a developmental territory? Yes, developmental. But it's also but it's also an independent promotion. Just like ROH is technically a independent promotion that also is developmental league for WWE, although not as much in paperwork. They definitely build up stars in ROH for them to eventually become NXT guys and eventually move to WWE. But yes, they it can be both. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. No, because, and that's true. Yeah. But my, yeah. my, my so, I guess so, yeah. so. one of my bigger issues yeah. is, and I think we've discussed this on this show before, is that you know for the past two years, when we do the end of the year awards, all of our best of come from NXT. Best mm-hmm. matches, best booked angle, but we are, we are the wrestling fans that NXT is targeted at. Yeah. We're the ones yeah, that care about work rate and uh, match quality and things like that. That's not, and what some fans need to get past is that is not the majority of the WWE audience. Okay, yeah. to that point, has the WWE booked themselves good? Even to their majority audience? I would say they haven't. But, but, no. what do you, I, I don't get the question. So, you said, has the WWE booked themselves good? What do you mean by that? 
okay, so they're not booking to us as the hardcore fan. They're booking to the majority audience. They're booking to the casual fan. They're booking to the little kids mostly. But it's been bad. Even to the little kids, it's been bad. I don't know. Little kids still seem pretty over. Are they, though? Yeah. Because it's been pretty quiet the past few months at Raw. I don't hear kids. I don't hear adults. I don't hear many people during the matches between, you know, 845, 940, whatever. It's it's amazingly silent. You know, you get the big pop in the opening segment. Maybe you get a 9 o'clock segment that goes well. Main events fell flat a few times now. Have, have, have you been listening to the reactions that Seth Rollins gets, that yes. Braun Strowman gets, that the cartoonish characters and the, the larger-than-life personas get? Well, Those Seth and Braun, really. Seth and Braun. Seth Braun, Roman it. gets a huge reaction every time, regardless of what type of reaction it is. Angle gets a great reaction. Rousey gets a huge reaction. Alexa gets a huge reaction. The people who are focused on, who are regular stars and booked to be top people, get the reactions. I don't think that's in any way shocking. They've put four weeks of time into Mojo Rawley. He hasn't gotten much reaction. They put six months in time into Jinder. He hasn't gotten much reaction either. And they pulled back on Jinder, didn't they? Eventually. Okay. And they'll pull back on Mojo eventually. But you're telling me the product has been good since WrestleMania. No. No. No, and I don't think it doesn't matter if you're 8 years old or 18. The product. But I'm telling you, I watch SmackDown, and I see them take a new guy like Andrade Almas and put him in the ring with AJ Styles, and I start to have some hope that they're figuring out how to do this again. Because now Almas is a credible top of the mid-card, if not top bottom of the top card guy. Because he went in there and hung with AJ. I have no faith he'll be on the show next week. I don't know what to tell you. That's the problem. I agree with you. I enjoyed him being in the ring with AJ. Samoa Joe hasn't been on the show the last few weeks. Yeah. Up until this Ty Dillinger <laughs> thing. And I and thought he's he was... probably and he's probably going to be the one facing AJ at SummerSlam, which is great. But yeah. I don't get that. But either. it's not going like... to. But the fact that he hasn't been on the show the last three weeks isn't going to stop your enjoyment of his match with AJ at SummerSlam, right? True. And when he's the focal point, he will be on TV every week. SmackDown's a two-hour show with a loaded roster. You're not going to see everybody every week. And honestly, I think that's probably to their credit because it's going to be more like NXT where you're going to be able to sort of be excited to see people because you don't see them every week. But you're the same person who has complained when people are left off of TV week after week. No, no, people no, like I, the I, Iconics or because Pain. Because they're new characters that have to be established. You can't stop and start with new characters. Somebody like Joe, is, that's not an issue. He's True. established. True. That's the difference. But that's also part of the problem because all these people they're bringing up, they're bringing up from NXT. The, the larger problem is they're bringing up a bunch of people and not letting anyone else go. That we're still trying to find spots for guys like Kane and guys like Randy Orton. Well, that's true. And, those are the guys who need to step aside and make room for these new guys. And, and Orton can still be, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the type where he shows up every now and then. But he should not be in center, a centerpiece of the show anymore. Well, not, not just Kane. I mean, let's be honest. They, they've wasted a lot of time on Raw with segments that go way too long where there are guys like Kanellis or even the Authors of Pain that should be a focal point and built up. The Authors of Pain beat Titus Worldwide, but I blinked and I didn't see it on Raw. And I, I literally had it on the whole time. 
So, I, so what you wanted, the, uh, you were going to establish the authors of pain by saying that they, Titus Worldwide, credibly hung with them for 20 minutes? No. I think that should, should be a squash. Probably move on at that point. Well, I right, mean, but you establish them by squashing people. That's how you establish a dominant, like, force of nature tag team like Authors of Pain is supposed to be. I just feel like they were. How did they establish Braun Strowman? Every week they had him out there. But he right, and that was that's been a failure with AOP. But the point is, you have that type of act has to go out and squash people and destroy them. At first, that's how you establish them as monsters. Then you go from there. And that, and that was more my issue, as was yours. And, and you can include the revival in that, too, is that when these guys are left off TV for three or four weeks and they're new, it, it's not any beneficial right, but, to them. But we discussed how nobody in the, in the office gives a shit about tag teams. So <laughs> using the revival and AOP and Titus, all those teams as examples is sort of a, a moot point because it doesn't matter if you're a fucking tag team, you're a comedy act. And used as such. True. Uh, it's weird to me. It, it's weird that the guys, and like I get what you're saying that NXT is a much smaller pond, but then they go to Ro- Royal Albert Hall and they sell out, or they go to Brooklyn and they sell out. And I'm like, something's working that's not working when they. Oh, come that's up. you. You can't. You can't factor that in. That's that's this band that you've heard all this buzz about that's never been in your area shows up you're gonna go check it out true that's that's not a st- that's not them going oh my god i've got to go see adam cole that's oh my god there's bye all bye. this buzz about nxt let me go check out this show uh who who was that uh we uh, were just talking about like nxt being big at like royal albert hall or brooklyn at the barclays no, no you specifically mentioned a wrestler but i, I didn't i didn't i didn't recognize the name at all Oh. <laughs> I wasn't going to feed you that one. I was going to make you work oh, for it. Okay. Try- I, I will. I I will segue that um, to kind of take kind of take this topic to a close, unless you guys want to continue to argue about it. No, I think we're done with that. But I do want to. I, you deleted one of my topics here that I think was actually worth mentioning at least, because, even because you've mentioned it thirty-seven times in a show. <laughs> I haven't mentioned it once. You mentioned the Bullet Club like twenty-seven times. No, he mentioned no, o- I, Omega and Okada. He did not. No, say no, no the but Club. I have not. Oh. What I have not mentioned is the fact that Ring of Honor and New Japan are now, in fact, going to be running Madison Square Garden next ah, year right. on WrestleMania weekend, and. Does that start to paint the picture of them as legitimate competition for the WWE? Because, first off, this is a victory over the WWE because this book, the show was booked. Vince made a call. MSG unbooked them. They apparently went, Sinclair Media, who owns Ring of Honor, apparently went to legal avenues against MSG to get the date back. Uh, and now it is official they are going to run it. Um, you got to think... Is- yeah. What it show what it shows is that companies are finally starting to realize that WWE is not the all-powerful entity that can put a stop to anything they don't like. So you're starting to now get companies that are fighting back a little bit because before it was if if there was if you were booked within like a fucking like 
27 miles of where WrestleMania was and WrestleMania weekend, WWE would do everything they could to, like, fucking drop bombs at the places that you were booking just to make sure you weren't there. So now you're starting to get people, these, these companies fighting back a little bit more. I do think that New Japan is the only company at this point who could potentially be a, a number two and, and be a direct competition for WWE because I don't, I don't see Ring of Honor quite at that point. Well, they're, they're but, sort of obviously. a hybrid with each other. They share a lot of the same talent, and the, but right. I, I think the branding can help each other because you have Ring of Honor fans who are not necessarily entirely familiar with New Japan and vice versa. So I think co-branding the event is very smart on their part. But when you talk about the, the other companies that run WrestleMania weekend, we're not talking about another company you know, renting out the... Uh, you know, amphitheater, or the fucking, you know, Radio City music, whatever. This is fucking Madison Square Garden. This is a big, right. huge fucking deal to sell out an arena of that size. If this show sells out and you're looking at a show at MSG headlined by Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club. Uh, and, that being what? said, if Vince can't keep you out of the garden, what makes you think Vince isn't going to poach some talent? Well, Kenny Omega's under contract until January, so that's... Yeah, so it's and WrestleMania's in April. But he's, I believe he signed a two-year deal last year, so... The only, the only people that uh, he'd be able to get are the Bucks. The and, Bucks. Um, Marty Skrull, too, I believe. Marty Skrull and, and Rhodes as well. But he and can't Marty Skrull's girlfriend is now in the Performance Center, so... Yeah, he can't, he can't get Okada, he can't get Omega, but he can get the other guys, but... Yeah. Omega is still bigger than pretty much anybody else in America right now that's not in WWE. So, yeah, I think it's a huge plus for Ring of Honor and New Japan to be putting on this show. I wish them nothing but success, but I don't see them actually competing in a you know large scope global sense with WWE just yet. They're on the they right gotta path. Start somewhere. They got to start somewhere. Well, well, you say that. But I would perhaps suggest that when you, when you, and it's interesting you chose to use the word global sense because I would choose to say to you that the brand Bullet Club is probably almost as globally recognized as any brand WWE offers. Let's stick with that word. Let's stick with globally, right? The WWE is entering a territory where they're getting paid like almost a billion dollars to go perform at these stadiums in other countries and continents that they yeah oh, okay okay but no, no no hold on i'm not gonna let again again i'm not gonna let you get away with that because they're being they're being paid this by people who want them to bring fucking yokozuna and the ultimate warrior to the shows so these are not people keeping up with the current fucking product dude that's Come on. saudi arabia i wouldn't say the same about australia i i don't know what the what their deal is with australia in terms of money i have no clue but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, there is a there's, an, there's New Japan is established as an international brand, obviously. Being Agreed. They run yes, out of Japan. absolutely agree. This is huge for them because this is a foothold in the biggest non-stadium arena in terms of recognition in the United States. If I tell you you can sell out one arena in the United States to make a name for yourself. This is the arena that you're going to go to. And you're going to do it WrestleMania weekend on a night you're going to go head-to-head with NXT the night before WrestleMania. Yeah, that being said, WWE has moved its footprint 
kind of away from MSG in the past five years, and they focused more on the Barclays. What That's kind for SummerSlam, though. Well, I mean, just in general. I mean, I think we've seen that they've put on more shows at the Barclays. No, they run, they run house shows at MSG, a right. lot, where a lot of shit happens. If you recall, last year it was uh, AJ Styles winning the title from... Um, what's about uh, Kevin Owens, the U.S. title yes. there at MSG. But, but for WrestleMania weekend next year, where Ring of Honor New Japan will be putting on the show at MSG, I'm pretty much assuming that WWE will run NXT at the Barclays. Am I correct? Probably. I, I don't know. I'd be surprised. Because, I mean, that that's what they've always done. They, they have a pay-per-view, the same city that they have. Uh, I'm right, sorry, but WrestleMania is not going to be in WrestleMania is not going to be in New Jersey. Barclays is in New Jersey, or Brooklyn. Sorry, Brooklyn. Right. So theoretically, yeah, they could be running at where the the Nets used to play over in Jersey if they want to put NXT on the night before the takeover, the night before Mania. Um, I would assume they're going to do everything they can to make that show a big deal to try to draw fans away from the ROH. You know, well, and that's the other show. point. This is only good for the wrestling fans because that takeover card is going to be absolutely, absolutely fucking stacked. stacked. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but the point is, from a, from a comp- competition standpoint, I think this is a shot across the bow that WWE has not faced since WCW went out of business. This is Ring of Honor in New Japan going right where Vince McMahon lives. New York, Madison Square Garden, that has been the home arena for WWE for decades. Considered as such, nobody else got in there. It was ironclad. If there was wrestling in that arena, it was WWE. And Vince kept everyone else out of there, and they didn't let anyone else in there because of that relationship. So this is a shot directly across the bow of WWE, and that's how it was intended, in my opinion. I agree with so, that. So would anyone like to... Um, uh, talk about some financial situations of the two companies sure okay so in so last year's revenues for wwe which for them was was um up considerably was 33.9 million dollars that's how much operating income they generated last year what would anyone care to guess how much new japan pro wrestling made last year in operating income 10 well, that would be 3.86 billion yen, okay. which translates to 34 million U.S. dollars. Okay. New Japan was more profitable last year than WWE was, and that was when they were just in Japan. Now they've started to branch over into America, which is a whole nother thing, because they already make a little bit of money comparatively you know u.s dollars compared to to yen because they they started to run some shows in america and started and obviously some of their their merchandise stuff that is sold over here imagine if they start running a u.s television show every week well uh, they do it's just a on a network ne- nobody can get right well i was getting to that oh, okay on an actual network yeah because because now you have it where you know wb obviously is split between two networks but there are other networks out there that would be more than happy to start airing some New Japan shows. You know, you look at, um, you know, obviously Spike TV doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. It's Paramount but TV. It's I Paramount, think. It's Paramount TV, yeah. yeah. But that doesn't, doesn't mean that Paramount wouldn't be interested in it, you know, and that's at least something that people know where to find if they look hard enough. Um, you know, you've still got some of these other ones out there now, you know, 
TNT is still a possible one, you know, other, other networks, stuff like that. If they start running that and start building up more, they can they can go dollar for dollar against WWE. I, They're I, that big of a company. I think you're also glossing over the obvious. I mean, if they partner with Sinclair and they get yeah. a nationally televised show it, with ROH, it could be if, huge. If Sinclair decided tomorrow to go balls deep in the wrestling industry, they could absolutely compete with Vince McMahon. They've got the money and the network reach to do it. They just don't. Right. They don't. They don't invest that heavily in ROH. It's a syndicated program to them. Um, they're not doing a live show every week or a new TV show every week. It's basically chopped up uh, from the old territory-style Saturday morning TV show tapings where they tape a bunch of stuff. NXT basically does the same yeah. thing. Um, I, I think that's the key. I think if Sinclair's willing see, to go there with the partnership with New Japan, then you might have a real competition. See, I would disagree because I think in the world we're living in, New Japan's strength in terms of their reach is going to be their new japan world streaming app uh it needs to be cleaned up more i was gonna say eventually but i think we're going yet. i no, it's not and i th but i think we're going away from the uh paradigm of the television show and the weekly ratings as a uh, to more of a society of cord cutters and what can i get on my roku and my you know amazon fire stick uh, more so, and and because of these television deals WWE just signed, those shows aren't going to be on live on those streaming services. They can't. That's be. true. That's true. So that's where New Japan can really make their bones. And Ring of Honor's already started doing it with their Honor Club service. Yep. They show all their live. Ta they show all their tapings live, so you can know what's happening before you, it ever gets to TV. Honor Club, um, GFW, TNA has one. Uh, and obviously, like you said, New Japan World, the first streaming service was the network. And I, would, I, think, I think Netflix beat them there, but for wrestling purposes. As for wrestling purposes. <laughs> I would like to think that Vince has surrounded himself with people that are smart enough to know that the money is, is in there eventually. Uh, that's where the future of this business is. Well, he just signed deals. He just signed with Fox, I know. Multi-year deals that prevent them from airing that stuff for, I think, two, six weeks after original air before they can put it on the network? Four. Is it four now? Okay. It's one month. I, it so, was six at one point. So I mean, and that, to be honest, that's kind of what New Japan runs on Access. I, I still haven't seen the the Okada um, Omega match on Access TV. I'm still like a couple weeks away from that. You know what I mean? Well, no, and, and that's, I'm not saying that the, the Access TV, we're all admitting that the Access program is is not what they need it's not the flagship show that they need but you've seen that match on new japan world right so right. if they go all in on that then yes that's their answer it, it's definitely probably the like you said the the closest and the best shot anyone's had since since 1997 or 96 or whatever and, when when well, and, really ramped it up and to their credit, they're offering a true alternative in product and presentation. They're not trying to do WWE light. They're doing their own thing that's completely different and that has an audience that is attracted to that. And they're sitting there taking those fans who are sitting disenchanted watching Roman Reigns headline pay-per-view after pay-per-view. And they're saying, hey, this isn't what you want. This is what you want. We got this thing that you want to see over here. We're doing it. We're doing it better than they are. 
And it's just we're a, doing it and doing it and doing it. Yes. Well. You know what's uh, a, scary about that is <laughs> TNA did that at one point in 2004 and five where they yeah, and then they brought in Hulk Hogan and, they, and Bischoff and they fucked the whole thing up. Yeah, because they yeah, and then they, they literally took away everything that was special. So as long as and I don't think New Japan will ever do that. They've got a history way longer than no, TNA they, to, of, of their own yeah, shit. They so they typically don't like racism <laughs> that we know of. But um, well, sure. Yeah, you know, like like you said, New Japan, and especially Hulk, Hulk the, Hogan was the Hulk Hogan was the one that voted Velveteen Dream off tough enough. Just saying, <laughs> Hulk Hogan almost appeared at New Japan, by the way, um, with the Bullet Club, but they didn't want to pay him one hundred fifty grand. Is it true that Mark Cuban has a, a vested interest in New Japan in the United yes. States? Yes. Yes. So yeah, he, he he seems like a guy that would get behind that. Absolutely, He's, and he would also love, and he would also love to whip him out on the table with Vince McMahon, guaranteed. So <laughs> yes, he would. He would definitely do some docking. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's find out what's going on around your local independent wrestling scene. I feel like we covered a lot. This is a very therapeutic episode. We yelled. We fought. We ultimately we agreed. Fought. <laughs> I, I feel like we got a lot of a lot of ground covered in this episode. I ain't editing this shit till tomorrow, but I feel like we got a lot of ground covered. Amen. Oh, there you go. All right, ICW returns July 29th to the La Pica Lounge with a 4 p.m. bell time. Doors open at 3 p.m. All tickets are $15. Your main event will be a bundles of light tubes matches for the Ugh. ICW alternative title as the champion Marcus Crane takes on Dark Prophet Orin Veet. The ICW world title will be on the line as Ice Pick Vic Capri takes on GQ Giannos. We'll have a six-man tag team match between Dis and Bear Kingdom versus High Class Violence. The ICW tag team champions will be on the line as Special Forces Corporal Robertson and Blazin' Benjamin take on Shoots and Wanderers AC Riley and Scott Marciano with Jason J. An all-weapons-are-legal match will take place between Psycho Chase McCoy and Hated One Kato. Well, every double debut match as Scotty D and Mongo both make their their debut to ICW. The ICW Midwest title will be on the line as the Marman Mario Cravello takes on Stacy Shadows. And a tag team grudge match, Zach McGuire and Jack Blackwell with Miss Hatred take on Just Saying, Simon Says, and Jacob Hoffman. And Saturday, July 29th, we at APW return to action at Newburyport Yankee Homecoming for the inaugural Clipper City Cup. This is a free show with a special bell time of 10 a.m. The event takes place on the Bartlett Mall at 152 High Street, Newburyport, Massachusetts. In the main event, the APW heavyweight champion Dynamite Danny Miles makes his first defense of the title as he takes on Ring of Honor star The Kingpin Brian Malonis. The APW New England Championship will be on the line as new champion selfie-made man Vern Vicalo defends against his former tag team partner, DTF, Dan Terry. The APW Women's Championship will be on the line when Adira takes on Vanity Vixen. The APW Tag Team titles will be defended when American Maid, that's Big Gun and Jake Sargent, challenge Team Venom champagne Joe Moakley and the Canadian legend Matt Loudon for the titles. In a rematch from our last event, Bugsy Stone takes on the dynasty, Bo Douglas. There's going to be two battle royals with the two winners of each squaring off for the inaugural Clipper City Cup. The Road to Royalty Tournament continues with two matches as marvelous Michael McManus and the Megarichi 
uh, take on, go head-to-head with the loser being eliminated from the Road to Royalty Tournament. Also in the Road to Royalty Tournament, Mass Appeal, Travis Gillette takes on Lumberjake. Also scheduled for the show, Big Stiff Mike, Fabulous Johnny Vegas, The Widow Belmont, and Casey Courageous. All that goes down once again, free show. 10 a.m. Saturday, July 29th, Atlantic Pro Wrestling on Facebook for more information. And on Friday, August 10th, River City Ransom Championship Wrestling, the anniversary from American Legion Post 52 in La Crosse, Wisconsin, former WWE and Impact star Mr. Ken Anderson will square off against AC Riley. Anderson! Thank you. Heavyweight Championship will be on the line. Title versus career. The natural Chris Black versus Jared Jacks. The with Hulk Hogan champion- in his corner. With Hulk Hogan in his corner. <laughs> so cards of change. The Tag Team Championship <laughs> Tournament. Empire versus Aaron Sacrifice and a mystery partner. Which, Co- prove me wrong, it's not Hulk Hogan. Coda Jacobs <laughs> versus Angry Dragon and more. Advanced discount tickets available at www.rccwrocks. Slash tickets. I mean, I'm not. That's rccw dot rocks <laughs> slash tickets. I'm not Getting saying it is Hulk glasses. Hogan, but I'm not saying it's not either. It's mystery mystery partner. You'll have to go and find out. Uh, Lucky Pro Wrestling presents Summer Sizzle on Saturday night, August 11th at the Elks Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts. Doors open at 7 p.m., bell time 7.30. The LPW Championship on the line is uh, Selfie-Made Man. I'm sorry, he's no longer Selfie-Made Man there. He's just Vern Vicalo. Defends his title against the, the, I believe it's the Simone Warrior, Makua. Uh, with Mr. Brian Cairo. The LPW Tag Team Championships on the line. The LPW Tag Team Champions, the Bitter Club with Mr. Brian Cairo, take on All Cash, Shea Cash, and Davy Cash. No relation, so strangely enough. Uh, Native American Tomahawk takes on Scotty Slade with Sarah Slade. The Sweat Boy, Christopher James with Danica and Richard Rich go up against Upper Class King Leon VI and Zachary Pierre Ballou. Also scheduled to appear LPW Women's Champion Adira, LPW Hard Knocks Champion Randy Sean, Anthony Stone, Alicia Edwards, Taylor Hendricks, Jay Lethal. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that on purpose? Yeah, you did. I did that on purpose. I finally got you. Okay. Uh, Robbie the Giant and more to be announced in the coming weeks. LuckyProWrestling.com for more information, and Jay Lethal will not be on the show. (laughs) That we know. Not anymore. UFO Wrestling goes back to where it all started as we present Big Bang 10 on Thursday night, August 23rd, at the Maiden Irish American. Malden! Malden. Malden. Sure, sure. Malden. I'm on this show. Come on. At the Malden Irish And I will probably be attending is, this show. Come on. Bell time is 7 p.m. In the main event, UFO heavyweight champion and ROH star, the Kingpin Brian Malonis defends the title against the returning mass hole Mike McCarthy. Uh, ooh. The cool people <laughs> defend the UFO Tag Team Championships against the reuniting Red Carpet Club, Dean Douglas and Jason Rumble. I almost That's got myself there. Bo Douglas and Jason Rumble. <laughs> 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 I assume that the, that the first tag team is also not what's written no, there. That would be. Uh, former, former Impact Wrestling star Robbie E goes one on one with the international male Aaron Amadeus. Yes. This. Uh, Vern Vicello takes on New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer Slick Wagner Brown, and there will be a special autograph session with former WCW Impact and WWE star Ernest the Cat Miller. Uh, for 20, dude, 25 bucks. You want Ernest the Cat Miller autograph for 25 bucks? All right, go ahead. Uh, you can get a photo op with him. 
uh, for 25 bucks as well, or you can save a little money and get the combo, uh, $40. Uh, just make sure that he signs that picture too, so you can be like, this is Ernest the Cat Miller, so you don't forget. Limited t- uh, package deal, $50, includes combo option, up to five items signed, plus a second or third row seat with a separate meet and greet, 30 minutes before the doors open. Also scheduled to appear, The Widow Belmont, Davian, Adam Barrasano, The Murder Lodge, Dan Terry, that's two more different things, the biggest of them all, Benny Jux, The Prize, Alec Pri- Price, and the professional Channing Thomas N. Many more, including the big stick, Mark Green. Card, of course, is subject to change. Front row tickets are $15, general mission $12. For more information, check out UFO Wrestling on Facebook. And to reserve your tickets, you can use the friends and family feature, paypal.me slash Patrick Dillon. And that does I love how you edited that last week when I wasn't here and then totally forgot you made the edits <laughs> as you were rereading it this week. Well, I was going to I was going to read the one before it, and then I was going to have Sal read that one, which is why I didn't change it. And then you went through because you didn't think I was going to be on the show, and you changed who was going to read things. Uh, so then when I changed it back, I forgot which one I was I was going to try to have. We gotta stop changing this document in the middle of the show. I think it's fucking everything. <laughs> I up. know, right? <laughs> that does it for the rundown for this Friday, July twentieth, two thousand eighteen. It's been ten days since somebody accused me of being misogynistic. <laughs> Well, wait till this one comes out. <laughs> yeah, wait. We'll have to update that again. It'll be like that little board that's like 10 days since our last accident. It'll just be like zero. <clears throat> Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling and gmail.com. Make sure to leave your name so you're not a little bitch. <laughs> leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. Uh, whenever Sal's on the show, we know we're not going to get a voicemail, so, you know. Uh, we are on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there are two reward levels. Go ahead and head on over there and find out what those are. Listen to our friends the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on their wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. And just a quick side note as we get there, uh... Just a quick congratulations from those of us here at the Rundown. Mike Crockett, uh, his wife giving birth to their first child today. So I want to send out a big shout-out to the Crockett family. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Congratulations. make sure to give that little Crockett a kiss. Uh, check out our friend Justin, Ma- <laughs> Justin Michaels on his show, Yes to Lynn Waltz on Tough TV. Go to toughtv.com to stream it live. Uh, stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear our other shows. NXT Revisited, the Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Stick, and Nitro Media Podcast. One of those shows will be on maybe sometime in the next two weeks. You can follow our hosts on Twitter at jstuart0920, at rockstartroy, at iheartkobe, at the spits or swallows effect, which is better than what I had on there, and at Gianni Analog. <laughs> Thanks to... <laughs> 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 I love that every time we get to this part, we get angry Sal face. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's like can... angry Miz girl. I can just wait and pop on and look at it. Mm-hmm. Or you can also look for the realist Tommy, right? Yes. Yep. Or at WrestleMania Sal. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening. For those of you who are still listening, you made it to you almost made it to the end of the show. Good job. Thanks to Jason and Sal for joining me this week. Thanks, I, I, feel, I, I feel like we worked some shit out. This is very therapeutic. It's like a very much so, very colonic much so. or something. There you go. And thanks to Jason. And speaking of working out, next week we have a fight with our giant 10-inch lift. <laughs>
<laughs> and the top rope. <laughs> there you go. So I guess that means we'll uh, see you next Thursday. Bye. Or Friday, whenever this is edited. <laughs> You're fucking with our flow, Sal. Shut up. That's it. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was brought to you by... No, wait a minute. That's you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) This doesn't even say brought to you by... The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently bequeathed to us following the untimely death of Adam Sazer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. The episode was hosted by me, Troy, Sal, and Jason. We are a member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all of our other podcasts and shows at questionnetwork.com and tune in next week for another episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.